This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome. This is my favorite murder. This is the true crime podcast where we get real serious. And then (laughs) there's a weird fart sound in the background. Yeah. That was like a... Could you hear that, Steve? Yeah. Oh. Um... Was probably plumbing. That really threw me off my game. It was. You better start. Up. You know my game. How tight my game is. Your usually. pod game. My podcast ga- podcast game is usually real tight. Now, when you train <laughs> to record, uh-huh. you use a small rubber ball mm-hmm. just for dexterity and just like to throw against I the wall. Throw against the wall, and I catch it. And like you can tell, there's a montage usually where it's like my brain's getting bigger. <laughs> the podcast part of my brain is growing. And what song is playing during that montage? Would you say, dude? I the tiger. <laughs> Eye of the Tiger all day, every day. That's all that goes through my brain. It's not uh, the other hit song by that same band, My Brain is Swelling, <laughs> and it's causing in cranial pressure. No, it's um, it's just clowns laughing. <laughs> that just, song, Clowns it's Laughing. It's just the sound of multiple clowns laughing. It's pretty soothing. Is it the kind of clown laughter where they have a, there's a raspy wheeze where you can tell that they are also a hobo on a train? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like that kind of clown that's got a cigar that looks like it just blew up. You know, like kind of trick blow up thing in it. Could like Krusty the cr- Clown. Exactly. Do you know that somebody mentioned, uh, somebody cited this and actually said, <laughs> and maybe they were just being sarcastic, but you know how we named one of our, um, episodes like breakfast wine or morning yeah, wine breakfast wine i think it's from arrested development oh really yeah it's something it's a. Uh, it's something that the mom says which i'm sure if i said it i stole it from that like that's that's all i do no, is... i think i've had breakfast wine before okay it's one of those phrases that are in the, the, the lexicon and the know. vernacular and the vernacular all right and well all... i just think it's funny that people um would be giving us credit where it's like, you oh. know, this show was from eight years ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we said it first, probably. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Murderino. That's from The Simpsons, that it is, turns out. That's how I thought of it, just now. We didn't know that, but now we know. Now we know. Now that somebody tried to uh, get the patent on it, yeah. and, it and everyone went, what that's the fuck right. are you doing? So That, that went away quick, because I think some weird person in Canada, not to say Canadians are weird, but... You know you're weird. You know. Uh, tried to fucking trademark the word murderino. Yeah. And all these fucking people were like, fuck you. Yeah. And then they were sending cease and desist letters to people on Etsy who were making fuck. Like, if you and I haven't mm-hmm. done it, then yeah. that person, whoever the fuck you are. Yeah, some third party where yeah. it's like, sorry, what? Where? How are you involved in any of yeah. this n- nonsense? And then they responded, we're just trying to make sure that it's not uh, abused in any way. We're trying to keep not it Not your safe. job. <laughs> not your business. Not, it's back off. Yeah. 
Yeah. Season and also, and also, and also, and also, no, you're not. Yeah. Also, don't lie. You tried to make a greedy move. Yeah. Stand by it. Yeah. And be like, oh, well, I tried to make a greedy move. Here's the thing. I'm sending a cease and desist to that person being a fucking cunt. <laughs> to cease and desist being a fucking cunt. Let's just start ceasing and desisting people. I'm going to send a cease and desist to uh, Arrested Development for stealing our <laughs> ideas eight years ago. Okay. And putting them on TV. Yeah. <laughs> before we even met. Take that. <laughs> Take that. I was working at... Let's see, podcast didn't exist. At 2010 development? <gasps> no. Where were you working in 2010? 2010, I believe. That's the year I decided to up and uh, get a divorce and move to New York. <laughs> I was like, Doing should it. I change my fall look? You're straight up. What's her face? Throwing her hat in the air. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. <laughs> All I had to do was make the gesture and you knew what I was talking about. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore, but the wrong city and she's never married. <laughs> But you did throw a hat in the air, yes or no? I threw a hat at people. I'm not a hat person, but I will use one as no, a No, a cloche, a nice cloche. <laughs> What's a cloche? A cloche is the 1920s, like, little, um, they, like, kind of flare out at the end. They look like German helmets. Oh, yeah. A nice little felt no. cloche. Have you seen my fucking humongous face? Dude, I, have you seen my, I can't fit into, like, hats, into normal lady size hats. Too small? Yeah. I, my giant head. No, huge head. You have a huge head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. It does not look like it at all. It's a secret huge head. <laughs> really? You're keeping a great secret over there. Thank you. Me, I'm all over the map with this. I'm telling everybody with my huge head how huge my head is. Couldn't be bigger. Um, There's nothing worse than people are like, this is sending me into a spiral of thinking about having to get ready. Have you ever had to get ready at a friend's house? Mm-hmm. When you were like, say you guys went to the beach all day. Yeah. Then you make a decision. Yes. Yeah. At six o'clock, we're going to go dance. Can I borrow a dress or something? Right. Great. They give you the ugliest dress they have. Ugly. The, hey, how about this? Yeah. It's been laying in the bottom of my closet. How about this? Because I know you and I know you're never going to return this to me. So yes. let me give you something I don't care. I if don't care home. about it. Yeah. And you won't look better than me. And you won't look better than me. And I don't actually care about your feelings or well-being. <laughs> so just put this fucking on and shut right. up. I cannot tell you how many times where I'm like, well, I simply won't go to the second <laughs> location with you then. That's from 30 Rock. Um, yes. Cite your, cite your, uh, always cite footnote, footnote cite. three. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, and the, just that idea of hats or it made me think of one time my friend, I was like, can, do you have sunglasses? I was so hungover in my friend's car. She opens up her glove compartment and pulls out. Mm -mm. No joke. They were checkerboard sunglasses, Ooh. but they were also big rounded cat eyes. So I look like oh, that no. guitarist from cheap trick. I looked like oh a fucking God. lunatic. And I was like, can I not be the one? I don't like attention it's like, like this. It's like raising your hand and being like, I'm hungover to yes. everyone who walks by. I'm hungover and I, and I might be able to sell you ecstasy <laughs> if you ask me with the right code word. That'd be nice. Um, all right. Well, I wanna, luckily, we got that off our chest. I'm glad we talked about that. You were saying you haven't watched any true crime shit. No, the... I've been deep into things like Howard's End, which if you haven't seen it and you like a period piece, oh, they right. made it for stars, I believe. And it was with the best Mr. Darcy, Matthew McFadden, mm -hmm. and a woman who you've seen in a million things, but I don't know her name, sorry. And it was so good. It was so brilliantly done. It's it's better than the movie, which was with Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson. Well, I... I can't believe you haven't seen this because I think I slipped into your brain and watched this show on Netflix, kind of new, called Safe. 
It's oh. a fucking British procedural. Oh. This girl goes missing. It's a it's based on a book by Harlan Coben, who I guess is like a mystery writer. Okay. I think uh, I've heard that. It's all British people. Coben with a B or an H? Cohen. C-O-B-E-N. Oh, okay. Uh okay. Main dude. It's the dad. He's the guy. There's some shady shit going on. What's going on? It's fucking Michael C. Hall with the hardest British accent you've ever fucking heard. No, Dexter? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, I have it's to. It's so distracting, but it's also like distracting because it's so good, but it's still clearly a good fake British accent. Oh, you so know? he's not originally British? No. No. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be, but I would love that as a reveal. No. Like, I've been <gasps> British this whole time. No, because I went to his house once. I've been to his house. Why? Uh, my friend friend was having a party there and he was very nice and oh. not british okay all right uh although what if at the party he was putting oh on an God. american accent because he's like people want me to do my dexter thing when i'm at the party <laughs> i'm studying for a role <laughs> usually <laughs> oh that wasn't bad right no it was really good <laughs> everything we do is good i'm really good at karaoke <laughs> it turns out also, I have a half an hour left of Killing Eve, and I'm really excited about I it. I just started Killing Eve. Oh, you did? Yes. It's good, right? I loved it. Both those, I mean, love it. Yeah. Those those two ladies, Sandra O oh and the woman. Oh, God, yeah. she's good. She's got a foreign name. Therefore, we don't have to remember it. I don't even think that's true. Oh, shit. <laughs> but she's great. Uh, no, that's a good show. There's also lots of great British actors in that show. Yeah, the dude who plays the Bill. Who? Yeah. The boss or the asshole boss? The cool boss. I love that guy. Yeah. He's from... I knew you'd know him. I'm going to have to think about that for okay. a little while. But anyway, that's a delightful show. Yeah, it's really good. And then did you see somebody tweeted at us that they went to the yes. screening? They wore a Murderino shirt and then a bunch of people yelled at them and they had like a moment. I love it. It's very cool. I hope I hope Sandra O oh heard that and knows that we think she's rad. We love you, she's Sandra O. She's just oh. so cool. She plays like this bumbling detective yes i love it but like it made me think of because i don't watch gray's anatomy i've watched it a little bit Wait, but I'm you're not, not obsessed with gray's anatomy <laughs> i don't i'm not a gray's craze <laughs> i don't an have an an anatomar and an anatomire there it is i'm gonna trademark that uh in an anatomy in canada um <laughs> when she was in the movie don't touch my toe <laughs> when she was in Sideways, yeah. which I just rewatched once again because so it's good. so good. She is so sexy in that movie, uh -huh. just like the messy hair. And then in in um in this one, Killing Zoe, Eve. Killing Eve. <laughs> that's a that's a movie. Okay, it is. Yeah, thank God. With um, why am I even pretending to be like to know who's in anything? Killing Zoe is a different one. It's with the guy who was in the mask, Eric Stoltz, and then the and then Julie Delphi. Whoa! Only because I had a big crush on her, <laughs> <laughs> Julie Delphi. Yeah. Okay. Um, go on. Anyway. Well, no, no. Uh, what I was going to say is, she's the different. Oh, when I first started watching Killing Eve, all I could think of was, I can't believe it's the same person who was in Sideways, being the sexy girl that has the affair. Yeah. Because she is doing that kind of like Mugh, dumpy thing, yeah. and it's so funny. She's good. She's great. I want to, can I do a quick uh, fucking piece of business? Would you? It's not that boring. Give this podcast some fucking structure. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Mm. So we have a fan cult now, a fan club that you, if you go on myfavoritemurder.com, you can join it. You get a free t-shirt, a fan cult t-shirt. 
and an enamel pin. And then we also do like, we're going to post videos. We're going to post old uh, live shows that we've never posted before. Oh, yeah. I think that's a big deal, actually. Right. We haven't think mentioned we've that. really mentioned that. Is, I think we should start doing this week. Yeah. The fan cult right now, it's like, you know, you pay money and then you get to be on a forum. Nobody else gets to be on. And we that's when we are like posting tour videos and stuff like that when we could. But we are going to start releasing old live shows that we've never released before yeah. on the fan cult. Yeah. So if you are one of those people that likes to tweet at us once a month <laughs> for three years straight about how you want your episode of the show that you were at yeah. to be posted, well, guess what? Join that fan cult because then that's how you're going to be able to listen And to actually, us. we should start a um, chat room. Is that still a thing? Oh, I don't want to. In the forum on the <laughs> fan cult and say which ones you want to see that are from the which live Oh, shows. like start a thread. Yeah, because I don't remember what any of them were like. But, okay, so now people are posting, somehow people just started posting photos of their pets in the fan club t-shirt that they get for free, <laughs> and it's the best. Of course, of course. I love it. I made Stephen uh, put a um, uh, slideshow up, a slideshow oh, up on Instagram, slide. oh, and okay. so I want everyone to now hashtag fan cult pets when you put your pet in there and we'll make slideshows like once a week of the pets with the t-shirts because it's hilarious. like and then there was someone who posted a fucking goat in the t-shirt today <laughs> and it just made my day <laughs> uh, that's the funniest thing because in lately the couple times i've posted i took the dumbest picture in the world of georgia and then i had to post it because she looked so stupid because mm-hmm. uh, i was weirdly over her so her eyes were crossed but it looked like she was Aww. smiling and she has these <laughs> tiny little teeth anyway Every time I post a picture of either of my dogs, people respond with pictures of their dogs. I love it. And it is the cutest, most fun thing, because then it's just like, it's as Happy. we're all pretending dogs are talking to each other. I love it. Normally, yeah, I don't George go for stuff George says hi like to so-and-so. Exactly. So-and-so says hi. I think in this day and age, mm. where everything around us is an onslaught of horror, mm. you need like a picture of a dog in a shirt. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Hashtag fan cult pets. And someday I'll put Marty in his fucking fan cult shirt. My dad. <laughs> Marty. Who joined the fan cult on his own accord. God bless him. Even though I would have given it to him for free. I'm not a fucking cheapskate. He- I would have given, I would have given you 20 bucks to go in yeah. half on Marty's <laughs> membership. I have to say that uh, people have mentioned this, but I think it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. 40 bucks for one full year. Oh, it's only for a year. Yeah, that makes more sense. Because if you rush, if you work it out, uh, like a, one of the great accountants, uh, of the world, try not to shit on accountants anymore. Um, (laughs) it's kind of you. That works out to you paying about a quarter an episode. Yeah. One, it's 25 cent piece for an episode of this podcast. And you get a t-shirt and an enamel pin and you get to talk to Marty. And you get to fucking talk to people and you get to be there on the inside line when we start doing actual shit that people care yeah. about. And when that when we do like, like you, why are we trying to, to listen? Do or don't, there's no try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we wrote that, George Lucas, not you. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. <laughs> Do or don't, there's no try. <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, uh, may the force be with you. We're not here to make friends, <laughs> The Bachelor. I'm too old for the ship. All right. Okay, uh, so last episode was a live one from Dublin. The episode before that was our famous Paul Holes episode that Karen is still recovering from. Dude, I tried to re-listen, I mean, to listen to the Paul Holes episode. Yeah. So I was like, this will be fun. The first time, like... I, I do commend myself for a not crying. Yeah. B not be not leaving. I actually really, really wanted to leave. <laughs> what? 
when he first was in the room uh, you know there was that back yeah, door yeah i was like i could here's what i could do i could hold up my valet ticket like there's something wrong with my car and walk out that door and there's nothing they can do like you would just have to keep but on what recording. About next time i see you i know but i just i'll deal with that later oh but it was a pan it was fight or flight Oh my god! And I really—it was that thing where I was like, I can't do. You I did can't great. Do this. You did great. I but know you when hate you surprises. listen to yourself, yeah, it was, that was tough. But also trying to form a sentence where you're presenting your fucking dumb theory to a, the know. person who worked on the case I know. for thirty years. I know. I felt really stupid. <laughs> I felt so stupid. But. It, yeah, I guess that's just how it's going to be. Yeah, there was. I'm just saying there was like he was very patient with us, considering he's, like he's the best person he, on the planet. Everyone you need to know, like he was. He's not just like that on when he's being recorded or whatever. He's he is like that in person. He like deserves all the accolades he gets. He was such a fucking nice person. Because no, I have never been friends with a cop before. Right, <laughs> and he's the first one. <laughs> It was so nice. You know, that's the thing is, I do know cops. Yeah, you do. Because lots of people in my family and yeah. whatever. My panic, I think, in that moment of he's actually in this building, was I didn't want him to come through that door and be what I thought a oh, cop would act like, right. which is a swaggering, condescending. Well, he's a detective. That's true. He's a science-based. But <laughs> I had that fear of like, you know, as I've said a million times, yeah. working in television, you learn very quickly. You do not want to meet your heroes. Right. You do not. That person that you're like, that person's great because they're on Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. No, fuck. No, yeah. you're going to have the worst experience yeah. and you're going to be heartbroken. So that was part of my like, uh-oh, like here now if this guy's corny or lame yeah that's well, just this, how it's like, gonna be i have this like self-esteem issue where i don't think professional people want to talk to me because <laughs> right. i'm not i fucking dropped out of community college you dropped out of community college and they could tell from your yeah and they're college like tattoo. who are you it's that thing of like when you go to a party and like there are your friends and then there's some girl there and he's like so where so what college did you go to right when someone asked me that question i want to get mean but i know it's only because i'm really self-conscious of it but also like why are you asking me that i'm 30 fucking seven years old yeah well, also, some people, that's all they have. I don't but, know what my point was. But well, he was no, really, I felt very comfortable around him. There's a lot, there was a lot of reason to be insecure. A lot, a lot yeah. of reasons to be insecure. And you, he was, his, his whole personal, personality and demeanor was exactly the kind of thing that made you go he'll want to hear my theory yeah. about why uh he was a <laughs> he looked one way in visalia yeah like he made us feel like he did want to hear totally. that stupid bullshit totally it's very exciting he's a lovely person and i have to say i don't know why we didn't take pictures or we should have a taken video, video of him coming in something we get scared and panicked yeah we were panicking but um but i was gonna say we had a lovely conversation after yeah. we stopped recording too because i was like waiting for him to just leave yeah and then to get make an excuse yeah it should be like girls you're welcome goodbye <laughs> but here's the best part i don't think did we say this um the last i guess on the minisode or something but what he told us afterwards, because we assumed he was just in town. Yeah. He traveled down from Northern California specifically to be on the podcast. Um, but no, that was magical time. Yeah. That, you know, we were very lucky. Don't, here's my thing. Karen, I say to myself, don't re-listen to the episode. Have it as a nice memory mm. in your mind and walk away clean mm. knowing that you didn't wet your pants <laughs> or do anything. You didn't run. You need to give it a, an Italian style kiss Mwah! and then walk away. And walk away. On to the next. Kiss into the face of it. Yeah. On to the next investigator who solves a, ma a massive cold case. Speaking of, 
Should we do with, an episode? With perfectly white teeth. <laughs> he must not drink coffee, which I can't. How do you get through Ooh. life? His teeth are perfectly white. I know. Okay. Maybe Sorry. He fl- maybe they pass out teeth whiteners on first class Southwest now. <laughs> you you get your own crest white strips at the beginning of the trip, yeah. and then you take them off the yeah. runway at the end. I mean, I got to say, we're not being paid by them, but those motherfuckers work. Crest white strips? Yeah. I wish, I mean, clearly I don't know. Have you ever used one? Look at my fucking rotten teeth. No. <laughs> I had my teeth professionally whitened once, and I was like, well, oh, yeah? now they're whitened, but they're now they're just still all short Irish teeth. <laughs> What's the point? That's like, don't wash the curtains on the front of your shitty house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wash the curtains on the front of your shitty house. I'm getting the curtains fully replaced with like a oh. set. I'm going to get teeth so big and white in Hollywood that they're going to look like cartoon teeth that are just one strip and that have no individual teeth. It's just going to look like I stuck in one big thing of you're going to replace the whole fucking house you're going to demolish the house and you're going to build a fucking mcmansion i mean in its place a tacky it's going to be a fucking houseboat house (laughs) but with teeth made of teeth that's good what houseboat house is truck boat truck that you stole from squid (laughs) billies just want to give credit where credit is due let's please give credit all all do okay do you want to go first or do you want me to go first whatever you want i'll do it how's your what's yours weird mine's dark okay is yours solved? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go first then. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Because then we'll have a good ending. Yeah. Because mine isn't. Do you mind if I get a cup of coffee? No. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you mind if I guess what it is? <laughs> do you mind what, if I guess what the solution to your crime is? There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. All right. All right. We're back. We're back with coffee. You're coffeeed. I'm just a... It's less for the caffeine and more just to brown my teeth down a tiny bit more. <laughs> you just got to get that perfect mocha. I'm tanning my teeth. Tanning my teeth. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Listen. Look. It's finally fucking time to look and listen. Okay. To Mr. Cruel. Oh, fuck. I know. Good. Good one. I know, right? It hit yes. me. Yeah. I had been starting it forever. And then just with this whole Golden State Killer thing, which I'm sure everyone is sick of hearing us talk about. Who cares? Fuck them. <laughs> I'll never stop talking about it. I, I'm, I'll never stop. But wait, were you? are you starting with this? Because the Mr. Cruel, the first piece of news, the day of the arrest or the day before the arrest? The day that it was announced that the Golden State Killer, a suspect had been t- apprehended. So yeah. it wasn't even like, Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, no, I no, no, you can maybe it was in your story. Um, the because I have uh, Golden State Killer and Eron's on my Google alerts, mm-hmm. so I get those news things whenever they come out. Cool. And it was just a news piece that said, "Is the Golden State Killer Mr. Cruel?" Le- and yeah. I was like, "That's weird." Just out of the blue, somebody's just like asking that question, and then it was like several hours later where they're like, "They have a DNA right." Um, so. Match. But also they were like Golden State Killer linked to Mr. Cool, Cruel, which was really exciting. The thought of, of killing t- like two birds, I guess that's a bad way of saying it, of yeah. like fucking catching these two elusive, you know, I'd say equally fucking traumatic cases yeah. at the same time would have been awesome. Didn't happen. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk, I won't talk a lot about that. But would have been actually would have been beyond crazy because yeah. it's like Golden State Killer in and of itself is mind-blowingly yeah. crazy and then the idea of that where it's like then you're just just pulling down yeah. all kinds of cases Too, he, so this so Mr. Cruel I, I want to say it was similar but it at the you know of, the, of what it did to the public but I think it, it's Golden State Killer was so little known and it wasn't known his scope until much later right so it's hard to say that but it, it this is one of those cases where it changed life in the suburbs in Mel- Melbourne's like outer reaches forever in the 80s. One of those, oh, the 80s are fucked up. We can't let our kids play outside. Yeah. It it just left an in- fucking indelible scar on that. Did yeah. that sound smart? It right? did sound indelible? smart and good. All mm-hmm. right. There we go. I didn't yeah. make up a word. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't, you, you used it. You used it correctly. Thank you. And you didn't even stop until the end. Yeah. I didn't even question myself until the end. Until the <laughs> All right, here we go. In the late 80s to early 90s, in the suburbs of Melbourne, Australia, a serial pedophile rapist known as Mr. Cruel was fucking traumatizing everyone. All right, here we go. So on December 27th, 1988, 
in Ringwood, which is a working class suburb of Melbourne. At about 5.30 a.m., a man wearing a blue ski mask and dark blue overalls breaks into the home of John and Julie Wills, where they live with their four daughters. Um, He first goes to the parents' bedroom and puts a gun to Mr. Wills' temple. Julie starts screaming to her daughters to fucking run for it. Oh, could you imagine waking up to your mother screaming run? Yes. No, I can't. Please. He tells her to stop screaming and asks, uh, he tells her to stop screaming and asks the dad if he's going to be a hero. Um, which is such a fucking threatening thing to ask someone. He forces them to lie face down on their bed and ties them up with copper wire. He he tells them, and this is one of his ruses, that I'm just here for money. So they're more compliant. So they let them uh, they let him tie them up and um they take thirty five dollars the span takes thirty five dollars from the nightstand and uh then this man heads for the kids' room. Cuts the telephone cables, goes in the bedroom where 10-year-old Sharon and her siblings are sleeping. Uh-uh. I know. Okay, this is fucked up and horrible and children are involved in it. Yes. And it's, you know. But also it's one of the most famous yeah. cases out of Australia. And when we were there, we people would talk to us about yeah. it all the time. And it was like, for live shows, you just can't do these. Yeah. This, is, this is the kind of one you can only do on a no show. No one forgets these and the horrible... You know, it's like the Adam Walsh one for us. It's it, it's not solved and it's fucking insane and very solvable. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. So Sharon is a 10-year-old. She's a quiet girl. She plays a lot of musical instruments. And she sings in the Victoria's Children's Choir. He addresses her by name, uh. which he maybe knew because their house had been featured in the newspaper six months earlier after the home caught on fire or maybe from being in the choir. But that thing of like... You see a child in the newspaper and these fucking patterns. Like, we should stop printing children's names in newspapers, maybe. I mean, if only that would solve it. Correct. Yes, you were right. So he lifts uh, Sharon from her bunk, blindfolds and gags her. And after grabbing a few items of Sharon's clothing, he leaves the home with her. It takes Mr. and Mrs. Willis 15 minutes to get free. They see that the daughter's missing. And their phone cord's been cut. They go next door, wake up the neighbors, and they call the police. There's no trace of Sharon, and no witnesses could be found. Um, they have press conferences. The cops are going crazy to find her. 18 hours later, just after midnight, a woman finds Sharon standing on a street corner. I forgot to fucking translate this. Six kilometers from her home, which I think is just a couple miles. Right. I think it's like three miles. Three miles, miles or so, yeah. So she's That's three miles from home. She's wearing a man's shirt and wrapped in garbage bags. Oh, she's my alive. God. But she's alive. And in a calm voice, she says to the woman, my name's Sharon Wills, and I was taken from the home, my home early this morning. A man left me here and told me to go and ring home. This woman was like, what the fuck? Of yeah. Course. Um, she describes Sharon as being brave and calm, and police were called, and Sharon is brought home. Uh, she had been blindfolded throughout her whole 18 hour ordeal. So she couldn't describe her attacker, but she was able to give them many other details about her time in captivity. The man had taken her to a house and sexually assaulted her. Um, she said he was occasionally gruff, but mostly soft spoken and seemed to be caring. And she even used the word gentle, Mm -hmm. which is so fucking creepy. He gave her a glass of milk and a Vegemite sandwich and some lemonade. So he was like feeding her and caretaking her before he let her go, though. He made her shower thoroughly. Yeah. He brushed and flossed her teeth and he trimmed and cleaned her nails. 
thoroughly washing away any forensic evidence. So clearly he was aware. But even in 1988, he was... then I just go cop, 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 cop. cop. Right. It's what everyone fucking thinks. Okay. Like he lay a sheet down on the bathroom floor, make her stand on it after the bath and, and like dressed her there. Like wouldn't even let her feet hit the ground. Wow. Um, and she described to police how he, she, he made her stand in a large plastic garbage bag, which he pulled up and taped to her shoulders, put another bag over her head and taped it to her body before cutting out a small hole for her face and then dropped her off a few miles from her house, telling her to walk to the nearest house to call home. So a hundred dollar, no, a hundred thousand dollar reward is offered um, for information on Sharon's abduction. This is the first reward offered in um, an abduction case in the state's history. Wow. So they'd never offered a reward before. There were a sus- couple suspects, but nobody panned out. His next abduction took place 18 months later on July 3rd, 1990 in Canterbury, just over 10 miles from Sharon's house. It's an affluent suburb. A 13-year-old girl, Nicola Linus, she's and her 15-year-old sister, Fiona, they're home alone in their family's rented house where their parents were out and they were only supposed to be gone for like two hours. So police think that this guy was canvassing the area. The Linus family... Uh, was moving back to England after the father's three-year transfer had ended for his job at Price Waterhouse. Mm. So they were packed and they were ready to leave within a few days. Ugh. And the party that they were the where the p- parents were at was a farewell party for them. Nicola is dry is described by her parents as a hardworking girl, one of the top students. At about 11.30 p.m., both girls are shaken awake by a masked man armed with a long knife and a handgun who had crept through a rear window of the house wearing a black ski mask. 15-year-old Fiona is tied up and left on her bed, while 13-year-old Nicola is forced into another room and told to gather her school uniform, blazer, tunic, and runners. Those are her shoes. Yeah. (laughs) For those not from Australia. Um, before leaving with her, Mr. Cruel tells Fiona to tell her father that he would release Nicola unhurt if they paid a $25,000 ransom. Huh. So Mr. Cruel then walks Nicola out of the house and uses the, li- steals Linus's family rented car and fucking takes off oh, in wow. that car. So Mr. and Mrs. Linus arrive home about 30 minutes later. They find Fiona on her bed tied up. A massive search begins, and Mr. Linus spoke in a press conference and offered the ransom money, but Mr. Cool didn't reach out. They couldn't get a hold of him. He's full of shit. It was another fucking red herring. So Ugh. they would look into his his business dealings, all of that shit. Oh, right. Um, and be distracted by something else, just like in the, the past one where they were like, he was there for money. He was stealing shit. Right. No. Um Instead, and they, they found the um, rented car a couple blocks away. So he had just driven it to his car as another like way to throw off police. Uh, the following day, Nicola is left alive beside an electric an electricity substation in Kew, about three miles from her home, just before 2 a.m. She's fully clothed. She's wrapped in a blanket. It was her 14th birthday. Oh, she went home and called her father. She went to a home and called her father. So she had been gone for 50 hours. Shit. She tells police about her, that her abductor had driven her to the area. And then w- when he was taking her back, he had driven her there, walked her around a little to kind of to confuse her while her eyes were taped shut, made her sit with her head between her legs and took off. And he was gone by the time she removed her blindfold that she had been wearing for 50 fucking hours. Ugh. 
Um, she told police that she was masked and bound throughout the ordeal, but was not threatened with violence. She had been given food and drink. She had described her attacker as affectionate and chummy. Like, what a fucking psychopath Yeah, this dude is. Also, it's making me think of uh, Paul Holes on Twitter. Somebody said, do you think that the East Area Rapist or the Golden State Killer could also be this case? And they brought up some other Northern California uh Maybe it was the I-5 Strangler. Just somebody, uh, another case. And then he was talking about the difference between the MOs. One is... Yeah, I remember this. Like, one is a friendly person and one is... Stroking the hair, pretending that it's a consensual situation. Exactly. And then um, Golden State Killer is a a sadist. A sexual sadist. And a psychological asshole. Leave that in. Uh, I mean, what if we... You say stuff and then I'll just read Paul's Twitter. (laughs) How about from now on, your stories are always just you reading Paul Holt's Twitter. (laughs) I might have to go to therapy. (laughs) More therapy. More therapy. He calls her Missy during fantasy games he played with her. She said he was meticulous in covering his forensic tracks. And she also told him that he had watched the press conference where her father had spoke with her in the room. And he was commenting on it to Nicola about it. Like, can you imagine being a kidnapped person and you're in the room where your father's pleading for your fucking return and he's just like commenting on it? Uh, That's so dark. Like, it's it's, so dark. It must. It's so disorienting and upsetting anyway. And then and then you're just kind of like you're through the looking glass. I think that like I think at some point in the past 10 years, it hit me how terrifying being blindfolded must be. Yeah. So it kind of gives me a panic attack whenever I think about that. Yeah. So that and then to be hearing what's going on on the TV, too, has to be so scary. And okay, it was then reported. So then the cops at this point, (coughs) police are able to connect these two cases, Sharon and Nicola's. Um, and they didn't make this public. They, they, they connected these two cases and then they realized that there had been another attack that they could link it to, um, beforehand in August of 1987. So this is the previous one and about an 11 year old girl. She's never been named at about 4 a.m. Wearing a mask and carrying a, a small handgun and a large hunting knife. He removes a window pane in the lounge of the house in the suburb. Um, of Lower Plenty is the name of the suburb mm-hmm. of Melbourne. Remember when we were in Melbourne? Remember? And we were like, this is so cute here. No, it's a scary place. But they have such cute dresses. It's the best dresses. Okay. So he first again, and it's it, in a couple of these stories that I read online, it, it sounds like he went straight to the parents' room. Like he knew what rooms everyone was in, meaning he He's canvassed it. He's chasing that yeah. shit. He's watching them. Exactly. So... He for- he wakes the parents and forces them to lie on their stomachs, ties their hands and feet. He uses expertly tied knots commonly used by sailors and those familiar with securing loads. Again, the knots are like distinct. Um, and then he gags them and puts surgical tape over their eyes and locks them in their bedroom closet. Ugh. He says, get into the wardrobe and sit down. Uh, all I want is money. Liar. Liar. So like, of course, they're compl- complicit. Complicit? Uh, complicit compliant compliant all of them because complacent (laughs) (laughs) because they're like oh he just wants money i don't need to defend my family let's just go along with what he says it's it's such a great 
ruse because if he were like i just want to kill your daughter they'd be like fuck this shit i'm gonna ki- i'm gonna fight to the death right you know yes exactly it's there's a element of relaxation because it's right. like he can take anything he wants yeah. that's what everyone says in that horrible yeah. situation it's just like who cares take about- whatever you want don't hurt us and he's yeah. like i'm not gonna i just want money so they go along with it which is so evil um so there's the next thing that happens is their six-year-old son is blindfolded and gagged and he's tied to his bed and then and remember this is the first known mr cruel attack then he spends the next two hours in the house sexually assaulting the 11 year old daughter in the house he stays in the house he doesn't kidnap her so if this is truly his first attack which we don't believe it is of course then he's he's clearly with these other two cases that i already talked about um escalating yes he takes them away and keeps them for longer and longer times but in this one that happened before he does it in the fucking house he's in no hurry he even takes a break to make something to eat in the kitchen just like the fucking golden state killer did and i wonder and i don't mean to like question you on this but well if the knots are the same if these knots are yeah. even similar to the Golden State Killer. Well, remember, because he spent some time in the Navy in Australia. That's why they were wondering if he was, uh, had something to do with this case. D'Angelo did? Yeah. The Golden State Killer, Joseph D'Angelo, <laughs> spent time in the Navy in Australia. Shit. Yeah. But in that time frame or before? Way before, like in the late 60s. So he was familiar with it. Oh. Going there wouldn't have been a weird thing for him. Like, no, 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 no. But I wonder if those knots were taught in the Navy oh, got it, or got it. in Australia for some reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, he also searched the home and he did steal a box of classical records and oh. a coat. But they think that was a red herring, too. But I'm like, maybe he's just fucking into classical records. Or maybe he's like one of those fucking weirdos that's all grabby and like, I need something. Yeah. This is I the closest thing. So listen, girls and guys, check your dad's uh, record collection and see if he has an errant <laughs> box of classical music and then turn him into the Melbourne police. Australian classical music. That's right. So the girl later told police that he had made a phone call near her while she, while she was tied up and threatened another family with physical violence. The fuck? She said he told the person on the phone to move their children or they would be in danger and that he called the person he phoned Bozo. He like that was one of his like nicknames for people. Mm. But when police checked the phone records, it revealed there was no phone call made. So that was another red herring for her to tell them about that. But I don't understand that. I don't believe it. I don't know why, but that creeps me out worse than someone talking to nobody on the fake phone. Yes. I hate that so much. It's like eerie because I I hate bad acting (laughs) and you know it was bad acting. But like. But that idea of look, I'm doing something like it's there, there's a control element to it of like I'm doing something and it's not for anyone but this girl right here and the police who come and yeah it's like a shock and awe thing of it's like a, you don't know what's going on and then you more don't know what's it's going like on. it's an it's a call was coming from inside the house type of thing yeah but then so I'm weird. like could the phone records have been shitty back then because well, that doesn't make any sense. Unless he's just trying to make this girl think that he is a full, full-time 24-7 oh. criminal, you know, yeah. rapist threat that where it's like, he's once such I'm a done bad with guy. this appointment, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go do my other thing. Right. Right. So they, they think that was just a red herring, which was one of his stupid signatures. This fucking asshole. Okay. So this connection made Mr. Cruel a household name and um, that the name Mr. Cruel comes now when he's described by Victorian police in the late 
Victoria police, not Victorian police, because that would have that would be a weird time traveling thing. There's a Jack the Ripper's investigators yeah. like, oh, and really, really quick, there's going to be a future case. No, that's let me not wax what, my mustache really quick. That's not what happened. Um, Victoria police in the late 80s described this guy in the papers as super cool and super cruel. And so some fucking smart aleck journalist was like, that's his name, Mr. Cruel. Wait, sorry. Who would describe this guy as cool? Missed, like cool as in like cool Calm. as a cucumber. Got it. Like got he it. hung out at the house and shit. He's oh, not oh, worried not about scared. getting caught. Yeah. Not like, you know, who's cool? Not like a... The Fonz? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is the only cool person I can think that, of. And you were right. I was thinking of just the worst people. Okay. Name one person you were thinking of. <laughs> um, I forgot already. Uh, you know, Kato Kalen. <laughs> Cool. You know. <laughs> you know the kind of guy you'd want to talk to at a party. <laughs> Kato Kalen. You know. What if it was Kato Kalen? No, it's not. Okay. It's not, and we're not suggesting it. No, is. I met him. Very nice person. Very nice. Everyone says he's the nicest. He's and cool. And cool. <laughs> That's one thing they say about him. Super cool. Okay. So the police are now very concerned. Because, and the, the police, I want to give them credit, and the investigators were fucking on this shit hardcore from, like, from get. Like, they, from get? Who am I? From get. Uh, except they fucked up a little bit, but I'll tell you about that later. Okay. So, police are worried because the time lapse between his attacks is decreasing while the time he holds his victims is increasing. Mm. And so, the police announced that they believe Mr. Cruel to be responsible for at least six attacks before this since 1984 so but they didn't give descriptions but they did say that not all the victims were children but they didn't like tell you which attacks they were but they think that he's escalating yeah and these other ones these older ones fit his mo also the idea of children being the victim as an escalation marker makes a lot of sense because it's like Mm. to attack a person near you to attack another adult or whatever but it is especially evil and disgusting and and awful to be like take a 10 year old out of their bed absolutely but you think that 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 wouldn't be the escalation because you'd attack a kid first because they'd be easier to handle than an adult like a woman an adult woman i know yeah i mean it's all it's it's all listen don't do either look look and listen don't do stop it don't do crimes oh oh are you the serial killer listening to this podcast do us a favor and fucking knock it off please get help you need help or just go go into the woods for a while yeah just stay away just don't do it please people have plans <laughs> they have fun stuff they want to do um so so because very little evidence is left behind because he's so good at hiding his tracks the invest uh, the investigation and finding him is a total dead end even though they're fucking crazy looking one piece of evidence that emerged in later interviews with Sharon and Nicola was that both girls this is so fucking creepy recalled hearing low flying planes over the house where they were held captive oh oh what do you think that meant for for a second I thought you meant <laughs> that they'd heard low flying planes like days before oh as like it was a fucking <laughs> parachuting <laughs> in a biplane house. like fucking recon that would be so scary that would be hard it's like the Red Baron is coming after you. Oh, no. That's not what happened, though. But that's actually... It's other, the other thing of you're blindfolded, and so then you can fucking hear it. Right. And you're traumatized, so you're listening to everything, and you're, you know... It's and like, you're just laying there. 
Oh, honeys. Yeah. I feel so bad for them. So they hear low flying planes where they were held captive. Um, Nicholas said that it sounded like the planes were coming into land, which is like, girl, get it. Police worked with the Civil Aviation Authority to pinpoint flight paths and based on description from the girl, based on the description from the girls about the frequency and loudness of the flights, mm. which is so interesting that like every little detail counts, you know, when everyone's like, is there anything else you can think of? I've told you everything. It's like, you just don't know what can matter. Yeah. So the, so based on all of that, they determined that the girls had heard planes on the flight path to Tillamarine Airport. So they like pinpointed the fucking airport sure. near Melbourne. So Mr. Cruel's final known attack. All right. This is fucking depressing. Mr. Cruel's final known attack takes place nine months after Nicola's attack on the evening of Saturday, April 31st. That's not right. April 13th, 1991 in Templestowe. It's a high-end suburb of Melbourne, close to the other attacks. 13-year-old Carmen Chan is home babysitting her two younger sisters, which is a totally normal occurrence as her parents worked long hours in the family's successful Chinese restaurant and was just 10 minutes away. The, hard, the Chans are a hard-working couple. They had built a small restaurant and property development empire since migrating from Hong Kong 16 years earlier. Mm-hmm. They worked like 15, 16 hours a day. Their home is described as being like a fortress. So it's an 18-room house, and it's protected by a two-meter fence with electric front gates. So they're not fucking around on security. So leaving their three daughters at home is not that big of a deal because they've taken measures. Yeah. Um, Carmen went to the same school as Nicola, which is a weird coincidence. Mm -hmm. Or is it a red flag? Herring? We don't know. (laughs) Is it a herring wrapped in a flag? A red flag herring is a new thing. Um, Carmen's principal describes her as charming, polite, enthusiastic, and lovely. She had a large group of friends and was extremely hardworking. So the sisters are watching a documentary about Marilyn Monroe in Carmen's bedroom when around 9 p.m., the two older sisters, Carmen and the sister, decide to go to the kitchen, but they're stopped in the hallway by a strange man in a balaclava. Ugh. And... He's carrying a large knife. Now, you've seen this fucking drawing of the balaclava that's yeah. supposedly handmade and has these crazy white stitches around the oh, eyes yes. and around the mouth. It's so upsetting. We're going to post it on Instagram when we post the episode tomorrow. It's very terrifying. It's just like worse than a regular balaclava somehow. And also when we uh, oftentimes these kinds of stories come up. The idea of walking. You're in your house. Oh. You think you know what's happening. Stepping into a hallway and there's that like uh my therapist described it as being mirror neurons where when you picture something happening to someone you actually get the sensation yeah. and the feeling and the stress reactor and too. the stress reaction and because that's us empathizing with each other yeah. but that idea of you know when something weird happens in your brain like you can't you feel yourself not registering it because it's so weird or you almost like i feel like if i saw that i would go <laughs> what's going on like you think it's a joke exactly you right? don't consider that it's immediately a threat yeah there's a hang time yeah where you're just like there's not someone in the hallway your brain has to catch up to it I or what that. it means or what's dad is dad playing a trick on us exactly like it's so 
upsettingly awful. This is why I'm like pepper spray first. Like if you accidentally pepper spray your dad because he was playing a trick on you, then your dad fucking deserves it. Yeah, I think that's a great way to teach pranksters <laughs> um, their boundaries. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kick someone in the dick if they jump out and scare you. hundred percent. If it turns out that it's your friend fucking with you, then they deserved it. Well, then they won't fuck with you anymore. Absolutely. That's for sure. No one will fuck with you anymore. No one. Mm. The word will get around. No one but no one. <laughs> What was that? Why did I talk like that? I like that I just explained why somebody in the hallway is scary, as if that was my new idea for this fucking podcast. Come on, we can say whatever we want. We really can. It's really silly. No one can stop us. No one, but no one. <laughs> All right. Da -da 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 -da. Carmen's sister. Da -da -da -da. Okay, so... Back to the horror show. Balaclava. It, here's what's scary about it. It's like the, he has, you know, like even in the Golden State Killer when he's wearing the balaclava ski mask, you can see what his shape his eyes are, what yeah. maybe like the skin around it, what color it is. This one is made so it's just peepholes. Yeah, it's awful. You can't see his mouth. You can't describe a lip shape, anything like that. It looks like something out of a Metallica video where mm. it's like, oh, this is a, it's this creature that's down at the bottom of a, a clay pit. Are you suggesting James Hetfield is... The mystery is Mr. Cruel. I'm saying, why don't we look at him yeah. when it's so obvious? When was where was he? Were they touring Australia? Were they? <laughs> I do know they kicked off their, um, uh, they kicked off one of their tours in Petaluma at the Phoenix what? Theater, which is so hilarious. Why? Because they were a barrier band, and oh. they were they were small, and we were small, and they were like, we'll, we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> these these people. I Metallica. almost called you guys hicks. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, we we are hicks for sure. <laughs> these hicks, but we contain so much more multitudes. Okay. <laughs> Stop it! This is horrible. It's the worst. Okay. Okay. He grabs uh, both the girls in the hallway by their hair, forces Carmen's two younger sisters into a closet, bars the door with the bed. The two younger girls later tell police that the intruder had called out, "I won't hurt you." Um, but and by the time the girls pushed their way out of the cupboard, I think it was like 15 minutes later, there's no trace and no sign of Carmen. Oh. Police dogs trace Carmen sent through the house past the family's car in the driveway, which they find is spray painted with the words payback, payback, Asian drug dealer and more to come. Fucking red, red herring. herring. Yep. Now I'm onto it. Mm -hmm. Now you know they are. Th they track across the garden, then the tennis court through the gate. Da, 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 they, the scent is lost on the street. Um, based on the mo, of course, the police are like, "It's motherfucking Mister Cruel. This is bad." So, and unfortunately, the search for Carmen starts out badly because. Are you ready for this? Uh -uh. Listen, fucking amen. They, they were all these. Uh, task forces put together everyone tried really hard to solve this it didn't work look here's a negative thing look and listen <laughs> the initial police officer in charge that night set up the command post inside of the car of carmen's house the crime scene inside the house oh 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 so he brought everyone he yep. was like this is a crime scene everyone get in here meet me in the middle of the house shit yeah what, but it's the late 80s uh, 91, so basically the oh, 80s yeah. still. That's, that might be too late to have made that yeah. mistake. Like, do it in the t on the tennis court or something. Yeah, it's, if it's an 18-room house. Yeah. Uh, go outside. <laughs> yeah. So, 
so the da, 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 set up outside. So people were swarming the house, which was supposed to be a crime scene, which meant it wasn't sealed off as it should have been, possibly destroying vital ed- evidence. But knowing Mr. Cruel had released Sharon Wills after 18 hours and Nicole, uh, Nicola Linus after 50, the Chans had hoped that their daughter would be home soon. But those deadlines passed and there was no sign of Carmen and no word from Mr. Cruel. Mm. So because of the spray paint in the car, police also spent months sifting through every aspect of Mr. Chan's life to see if the abduction was maybe drug or business related. Well, uh, they'd have to. Yeah, but they did. It's they God didn't think it. it was. They they kind of knew it wasn't, but had to. Yeah. Which um, takes it's like work, time, yeah, money. Exactly. Fucking waste. They found Mr. Chan was squeaky clean and that the slogans were another red herring and had sent the police on another wild goose chase. So, uh, so cause Nicola and Carmen went to the same school and Carmen had been abducted, abducted during a school holiday and the other girls had been abducted around or on school holidays too. Mm. So the investigators surmised that maybe Mr. Cruel was uh, worked in education or had a partner who did and, and had that partner had gone away out of town for the school holiday. Oh yeah. So they fucking asked everyone all these crazy questions. That might have been another red herring too to like spend time asking teachers and principals and people who work with them questions too that didn't have anything to do with it. It's so funny because there already are so many red herrings in cases yeah. like this and then just add yeah more to the pile and it leads it back to it's a cop right right so a dramatic quote police need your help poster and it's almost like to me this reminds me of when we used to see the milk carton the kids on milk cartons it's like terrifying thing when we were kids uh this poster showed photographs of the three known victims and offered a three hundred thousand dollar reward for information leading to mr cruel's conviction it sent it was sent to every home in victoria and some in new south wales and south australia which was a first every single home wow huge versions were plastered on hundreds of billboards and smaller ones were displayed on melbourne's buses and trams it changed life in australia forever in the standard we thought it was safe oh no it's the 80s no one is safe that was my quote (laughs) way that's right so phyllis chan oh honey the mother the mother okay i want in a lot of podcasts this is the part where they'll just start playing her talking at this press conference which is the most traumatizing sad scary thing i've ever heard in my life oh no so i'm not doing that because she's so upset she it's if you listen to it if you can handle shit like this but i I was, listen, picture it. I was walking through H&M and I was listening to Case File, the Case File episode. And then it just starts playing. And I got just chills down my whole body. It's so, like, the grief you can hear in her voice is heartbreaking. Yeah. So she makes these emotional pleas to him, to Mr. Cruel, uh, to bring her daughter home. She offers rewards. She offers to switch places. She offers her life for her daughter. No, 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 no. I know. That's also a person that's, uh, I mean, like, obviously, that's what any mother's going to feel. But then it makes me go, she she wasn't in a good place to be making any statement whatsoever. If you're Well, they know he's watching. So they're like, let's just let her talk. And she calls she says i won't call you mr cruel i'm calling you mr kind because i know you're kind and you'll let her go like just trying to fucking that's a good psychology right trying to reason with him it's so heartbreaking so for almost a year there's hope of carmen's safe return but on april 9th 1992 just four days short of the first anniversary of carmen's abduction a man is walking his dog along edgar's creek in thomastown when he discovers a human skull in some in a landfill 
DNA confirms it's Carmen's skull, and she'd been shot three times in the head. They were able to find some other bones, but she'd been shot three times in the head. The head of the homicide squad um, thinks that Carmen's body had been there for nearly 12 months. Oh, so wow. So maybe since the beginning, which Ugh. is so heartbreaking. That's, all, that's the worst. Yeah. Um, they Investigators think that the, it's the most likely reason for the change from kidnapper to killer is that Carmen somehow managed to see Mr. Cruel's face. Oh, yeah. Something uh, he had painstakingly avoided with other victims through the use of mask and blindfold. He had told one victim before to not to look at him saying, my freedom is more important than your life. And Carmen's mother, Phyllis, told police that her daughter was not the sort of girl to accept captivity without a fight. And she thought that Carmen may have ripped off her blindfold and confronted Mr. Cruel. Oh. For nearly three years after Carmen's found, 40 investigators named uh, the Spectrum Tax For- Task Force followed 10,000 tip-offs. tips. One of the victims said she saw a camera and tripod at the end of the bed. She had peeked. And, oh, and God. S- Oh, yeah, awful. I know, which affir- which affirms the speculation that Mr. Cruel likely created homemade porn to keep his trophies. So then they like have to look through all this shared homemade porn and see if they can find the porn made of these girls, which like you've got to think about the people on that task force who had to then watch fucking hours and hours and hours of child porn. Oh, it's horrible. How awful is that? Um, yeah, there's so much. There's there's so much um, even thinking about something like that is really upsetting. Yeah. And the idea that those people do that as for a living. It makes you understand the whole like the whole trope of like coming home and to not wanting to tell your significant other how your day was because you've just watched hours of child porn to catch a killer who's on the loose, you know, and like you get why they like kind of disassociate and become like yeah that's different just, people this is, this is the world that they this is how the world is to them yeah and they don't want to let their husband or wife or partner know yeah. what it's like of course not it sucks um ba, 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 ba. okay so another burst of publicity no they can't they have leads but they no one pans out there's another burst of public no publicity <laughs> in 1993 after police released details and sketches of the interior of mr cruel's house where he held his victims because uh they because the girls peeked out one of the girls peeked out of her blindfold even though it was like fucking risking her life sharon and nicola were able to provide police with aspects of parts of the inside of the house were like including like and there's sketches online you can see like kind of crude but like layout of the bathroom where the toilet was where the sink was where the bathtub was what color the fucking carpet was like little weird details that if you lived there you would you know you would be like that's my bedroom well and also just if you read those and then you're like wait a second yeah George's bathroom is like that you know what I mean and they have a carpet that's green that's so creepy it's so creepy um also like one of the girls was able to tell them what side of the house she entered the house entered on from the parking lot so like even those little things they they could search houses and they ended up searching 30,000 houses based on this all this information all the information that was given it's insane yeah it's they really worked this case yeah Overall, Operation Spectrum was Victoria Police's largest ever investigation at the time. Um, it changed the way all Victorian detectives conduct investigations. For, uh, almost a $4 million manhunt, though, turned up little in the way of answers to who Mr. Cruel was. Okay. Another roadblock was that some of the evidence from prior Mr. Cruel attacks from before had been lost, including tape Mr. Cruel used to bind one of his victims in an earlier 
uh, case that wasn't one of these. And because uh, because they get skilled, more skilled with time, the older ones are so important because maybe they were less skilled. They were a little messier. Yeah. But they couldn't find that. There was so there was no DNA that could be found from Mm. that. And the stink that the spectrum operation spectrum detective kicked up because they couldn't find those exhibits records from earlier sex crimes prompted a review by Victoria police and introduction of minimum standards for all future major crime investigation. And it covered such things as forensic crime scene preservation and other aspects of the investigation. And because of that, the police force became more professional. It strengthened legislation regarding sex and child pornography as well. Good. The tax force was disbanded though in January of 1994 after detectives had eliminated more than 27,000 suspects. Um, It did, but it didn't catch Mr. Cruel, but the investigation led to 74 people being charged with offenses, including rape, incest, blackmail, attempted bestiality. Oh, no. (laughs) Possession of child pornography, threats to kill, making obscene phone calls and firearm offenses. They worked for 29 months. I said all that. Okay. Since Carmen's murder, there have been no more apparent crimes committed that could be connected to Mr. Cruel. They ended. And remember when fucking GSK ended in 86, they were like, he had to have died. People don't end. Yeah. People don't stop. It doesn't just stop. Right. Um, One theory is that that the, the actual... Mr. Cruel was in- interviewed and feared that he was on a suspect list, so he just was too scared and stopped. That's one theory. The FBI got involved. Their analysis stated that he's a functional individual who has a steady employment, is generally regarded as a good neighbor, quiet, polite, somewhat introverted, maybe involved in certain community-minded projects. Like, so just a fucking everyday dude. Yeah. They built a profile of a man aged between 35 and 40, slightly built with sandy or ginger-colored hair, um, softly spoken and quite caring in his own monstrous way. In fact, one of the victims told police that he, when he bathed her after, he bathed her, quote, like a mother washing a baby. God. I know. Then so he's having this totally separate yeah. fantasy experience. Yeah where this is a consensual fucking relationship with a child. Right. And saying to them, he said to one of the girls, I'm going to bring you home in 50 hours. He brought her home in exactly 50 hours. Like this to him is just this little moment. Yeah. He, it's just something he needs to do and right. then everything's okay. Right. And he's not a monster because he's not killing them in his mind, probably. Yeah. You know? So then in April of 2016, in the lead to the 25th anniversary of Carmen's murder, Victoria police released a 1994 dossier to the Herald Sun newspaper Basically containing intimate details of the case that hadn't been released and uh, contained information about seven possible suspects that hadn't been ruled out since then. Oh. So, um, including details of the prime suspect. So, the prime suspect is a, was then a 75-year-old, he's like now a 70, late 70-year-old 70 former Melbourne University lecturer Ooh. named Brian Allen Elkner. Who wrote all these like creepy fucking like Marquis de Sade style papers about evil and how doing evil is like an art form and oh, it's like uh-oh. all gross. In the late, in the 1970s, he was arrested and in prison for 10 years after pleading guilty to a series of rapes and other violent sexual offenses against young girls and women, including attacks at knife point in their homes. But he's like, hey, I know I'm the prime suspect. I didn't do it. Leave me alone. I paid my dues. 
but <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. And he just, he go, he serves 10 years in prison Ten. for being a violent child rapist. And then he's like, and now I'm going to get a job at the fucking university. No, I think he went back to his job as a lecturer. Like he had already done that. Guys, it's got to change. We got to not. We got to we got to keep it. There's got to be a qualified lecturer who's not a fucking child <laughs> rapist. And there, there's got to be other choices. There's got to be someone else in the bunch. I can't. Just the idea of people being like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I was a serial rapist, but I went to jail for seven yeah. years. Now it's that's done. And it's he, like, but we've it's been proven it doesn't end like no, that. No. And it's like, and if even if it did, you don't get it. You don't get a free pass after. Like, I know it's like they pay their dues. No, you didn't. No, no, that's not enough dues. That's not enough dues. A million years aren't enough dues. You're not allowed to fucking sexually assault and rape women or men. Like, it's just... And especially fucking children. And you're going to get it for the rest of your fucking life. So now all these, like, newspapers were, like, following him. And he's like, you're... you're what you're doing to me is the same... You know, you're harassing me. And I'm a victim, too, now. Saying, like, he was, like, one no, of his buddy. victims. No, you're no, not, dude. That's why I fucking say your goddamn name, Brian Allen El- Elkner, <laughs> you piece of shit. Fuck you. Well, also, that's the thing of here's the here's the thing you know if, if you're gonna go choose to be a serial rapist which is what the choice you made this will be something that impacts your future life yeah like maybe you'll be suspected of other things after right you you don't just get to wipe the slate yeah. clean there's a reason he's like yeah police call me after every time there's some kind of you know predator on the loose yeah, and dummy like, yeah because you're a predator yeah you're a predator. I don't give a shit if you've never fucking done it again. You will always prove you've never done right, it again. Right. Right. You can't. Creep. So Victorian police have confirmed that they investigated and ruled out a connection to the state's infamous unidentified offender, Mr. Cruel, um, to the GSK, to the Golden State Killer. But they shared a ton of traits, as we already said. Yeah. Um, and they were both highly premeditated and surveilled neighborhoods for weeks at a time. It, from what I can tell, they don't have DNA on Mr. Cruel at all, but I could I could see them having it and not telling anyone. Wait, so then how do we know that they ruled him out? They just by timelines and stuff? No, they didn't rule him out. Oh, the GS Sorry. Golden State Killer? Yes, he uh, yeah, it's not him. Oh, okay. Maybe Damn. by DNA. I don't know. But hopefully uh, hopefully they do have it and they'll be able to run it through that shit and solve it soon because that would be another great fucking win. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, also, that's just such a... Um, God, that's such an awful... You, those kind of things can't just sit there like we're all fine with it. Yeah. And and not that they do because obviously, like, it's very heartening to hear that they put together a task force with 40 cops on yeah. it. That's amazing. When's the last time we've said something like that yeah. where it's like usually the task force has five yeah. people who are working overtime yeah. to to try to solve something. Yeah, there's some number too of like the amount of unsolved, um, unpaid overtime hours that the, these police officers put, put in. into this. I mean, there's all these numbers about it, but um, it's really horrifying. And to be, I feel like to be from that, a kid from that period and the boogeyman is still fucking out there Oof. and it could be anyone and it's just so scary and wow. the poor chan family who have no peace of mind over this it's just awful yeah it is so that's finally mr cruel wow that was great thank you uh i think we really enlightened a lot of people on what's bad <laughs> and how bad things should be dealt with that's what i feel good about they should be dealt with by canned wine but <laughs> Cheers. Here's the commercial for canned wine. Excuse me. 
Stephen, can you cut out every time I hawk up phlegm like a fucking Greek fisherman? God <laughs> damn it. I see the Twitter. Excuse me, Greek fishermen are actually... Excuse me, my dad's Greek, and I'm brokenhearted that you would say. <laughs> I, uh... Should I pee first? Also, actually, Wait. I think I just stole that from Paul Tompkins. He used to call himself a Greek fisherman. So if we're going to footnote credit every fucking aspect of this show tonight, and I think we should. I agree. I'm shouting out to Paul Tompkins that that's uh, the Greek fisherman line is his. We should call this uh, footnoting the Greek fisherman this episode. <laughs> Starring Paul Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins, the Greek fisherman, <laughs> is a Greek fisherman. You heard it here first, kids. That's what this episode is called. <laughs> but we'll do it just all initials. <laughs> P-F-T-E-I-A-G-F All right Do you want it? I want to I want to wait But then I don't want to stop you In the middle of it Um Wait You want to go to the bathroom? No No Okay I'll just power through this No 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 Take your time I have a diaper on This You're just like that astronaut That loved that other astronaut We never talk about that story. Oh, wait, we should actually do that one. I just remembered it is an attempted murder. Excuse me, I'm making notes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to pee while you make a note. Okay. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com Goodbye (laughs) You just faved something while you're in the bathroom (laughs) You don't do that? (laughs) You don't you know, it's my favorite thing in the world I was peeing (laughs) This, okay, so this one I've been waiting, I've been thinking about this one for a long time because when I think of us and murderinos and people who love true crime and people who pay attention to true crime all the time and just ingest it like when you go to your, for me it was like go to your hotel room after doing a terrible stand-up gig in fucking Peoria, Illinois and you turn on TV and you have your choice of all this shit and you're going to go to, uh, you know, American forensic Justice. Files, the American Justice. Forensic yeah. Files, all that. Yeah. The stuff I'm going to get like, ready for bed while that's on the background because it's fucking soothing and comforting and it's like your friend. Yes. And it also feels like I think there's that you're watching people take care of 
a yeah. problem. Yeah. I think it helped me. Whereas like I just did stand up. I failed miserably. People don't like what I have to say. Yeah. Now I'm here and I'm getting a perspective because yeah. actually I'm fine and I, my life is good. Love it. Whatever. Um, this story and this crime is one of the ones that you've seen on all of them. Yeah. And because it's not so crazy. And okay. it is the murder of Girly Chu Hassenkoft. Um, so let me know when you remember okay. what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, this was suggested to me, uh, by my online friend, Zoe Clark, who loves the show. And I know her from Twitter. We hung out at a wedding once. She's a super cool girl. And, uh, she was like, don't forget, don't forget the classic. And I was just like, you're right. It's, it is such a, um, it's just one of the ones I think of this murderer's face when I think of. Do you ever like think like, I can't do that one. Everyone knows that one. But then you're like, no, this one's great and I should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you know, I think I changed my mind about that because we've met people in VIP lines who have said, why haven't you done A, yeah. B or C? And if we ever give that answer of like, we just felt like people have heard it too much. Yeah. They say, but we want to hear you yeah, do yeah. it, which I read as we want to hear you fuck it up. <laughs> Um, and then it's like, yeah, I can, I can fuck that I can up. Fuck up real good. Um, so thanks Zoe for suggesting it. Uh, and of course there's an American justice on it. If you know, or somebody knows, I want, I need American justice. There's so many seasons yeah. of it, but I couldn't find it on like normal YouTube, normal, um, internet channels. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't find it. It's not on Netflix. It's not on anything. Huh. It, I, I guess I'll just go home and look it up on Amazon, but I would buy 20 seasons of American Justice. Absolutely. That show is the shit. And we, as we uh, all know, Bill Curtis. Bill Curtis is just. Whether he's wearing a blazer or a brown leather jacket, it doesn't matter. I love him. He's the, he's the original. I mean. Night Stalker? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. What if he was? <laughs> so the one show that I could find this on was on like, What's that Daily Motion video channel? Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. like super obscure and it was a show called Crime Stories, which is a great show. Okay. I was trying to figure out if it's like Canadian or something because I don't think I've ever heard of Crime Stories. No. Um and the narrator on Crime Stories is a man named Bill Courage. What? So uh, like three cheers for Bill Courage holding down the fort on Crime Stories. All of it all of that sounds like stuff you would write in a TV show to represent a true crime show. Anyway. Oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> like a fake one. Yes. Let's just call him Bill Courage. It's, um, you know, the host, Bill Courage, whatever. Okay. okay. Bring it to me. So this, this takes place September 9th, 1999. Okay. Here we are. Here we go. 100 miles south of Albuquerque, New Mexico. There we are. Uh, it's an abandoned stretch of highway. Because you know all those weird, crazy roads outside of oh, any city. Oh, I watch city. Breaking Bad. Yeah, know you know. That, a lot of shit happens there. The, it's the kind of road, and I don't know if this was accurate to the real place, or if this is just what it all looks like, but it's that thing where it's the shot, the B-roll shot, was one long highway, mm -hmm. and then it's shimmery hot mm -hmm. down like in the three-quarters area, and there's just like a mesa in the distance. Fuck that shit. The, the most I know of that is driving home from Vegas, and it fucking sucks. Yes. And it's bleak, and you can hide a body out there. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So there's um, a guy. He is a road worker, and he has been he's been like fixing this highway or whatever. When he finds a pile of bloody 
clothes that that look like a young girl's clothes. Uh-oh. And so um, he calls the cops. They come and they start looking around nearby the clothes. There's suspicious looking duct tape because it's um, suspicious as if fucking duct tape in your bloody clothes <laughs> isn't suspicious looking. <laughs> They're like, look, we can explain all this away. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, you're driving out here. The heat got to you. You cut your finger. Errant duct tape. Duct tape is suspicious. Yeah, duct tape on its own, laying on the side of the road, scares the living shit out of me. Absolutely. This duct tape was in the shape of a like a a a figure eight. (gasps) So it was duct tape that looked like super suspicious. Put together handcuffs. Oh no! So that poor road worker, who I hope to God he wasn't by himself out there, because then that's even then an eagle screams in the distance, (laughs) and you're like, this is the scariest thing of Uh all time. But he grabs all that shit, or he calls the cops. They come, and they find another piece of duct tape nearby that has long black hairs on it. Oh no! So, um. They start looking into what this could mean and, and the police in the beginning in this crime story show were talking about how they thought it was children's clothing. So they were freaking out and like it looked really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, they start looking up, uh, uh, missing persons reports, recent misses, missing persons reports to see if anything compares. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turned out that, uh, there was a missing persons report filed for a woman named Gurley Chu Hassenkoff. Hassan coughed with a T at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was a Malaysian bank teller, uh, 35 years old, very well liked, very responsible, big, you know, had, uh, uh, you know, a lot of friends at the bank. Um, and when she didn't show up for work, they immediately knew something was wrong. Right. Um, because she was super responsible, but also because she had recently filed for divorce Uh-oh. and her, and she had told everyone at the bank, my husband has been threatening my life. And like she basically told them she was really scared and that her husband wanted to kill her. So the second she doesn't show up, they immediately call the cops. They immediately to like take all the action they need to. I also think this is just my opinion, but it seems like because she was she was from Malaysia. So she didn't have I don't think she had a lot of family here. So I think her friends at the bank were like. If we don't do it, who who will do it for her? Yeah. Which God bless them. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to say, I really like the name Girly. It's cute. It's just really cute. It is. But then compared to the horrible things I'm about to talk about, it's awful. So um, just this, this is the all, all part of the true crime world. Uh, So they, the police go to Girly Chu's apartment. And um, they find three damp stains uh. on the carpeting and they find blood stains on her couch and the whole place smells like bleach. Uh-oh. So they're like, ding, yeah. ding, ding, all red flags. Um, and what they do and they talk about it in this episode of crime and crime story, whatever it's called. Um, crime. Stopper stories. <laughs> crime stories. Crime stories. Crime stories. You know, plural. Two words that we know. It's e- they're easy words. It's not hard to remember, and yet here we are. Um, but they talk about how the best move that the cops made in this entire case was in that moment. Mm-hmm. Instead of cutting out a swath of the carpet mm-hmm. where they were worried about, they pulled the entire no carpet out and took it to the lab. They never do that. They took an apartment's width Shit. and length of carpet, and they were just like, all of it goes. Yoink. Which is so cool, because then they have everything. So this was Girlie Chu's new apartment after leaving her husband, who when oh. she... 
said she was leaving him, went crazy on her, told her that he could make her disappear. And um, when she finally actually got that apartment, left their apartment, was when she found him loosening the tires on her car. Oh, no. She found, she's like finds him doing that, runs to the neighbor's house, and then goes and is like in hiding, essentially. Oh, my God. So she gets a new apartment. Um, they, the cops know that she would have never let him into that apartment. Yeah. And so they know that when they're looking for trace evidence on that carpeting, right. um, that that's going to be a key thing. Cool. So, which is like, all of that is just like, ugh, cop stuff. Love it. Um, also, so one of the main reasons that she filed for divorce, so they got married in 1995. Okay. Three. Three, you, I mean. <laughs> 1993. That's what I meant. 1995, three. Um, they met in the ni- in the early 90s at SeaWorld. How? Cute. How? No, but not cute. I mean, also, it's bad for orcas, but how oh, do you right. meet someone at SeaWorld? Hey, hi. Are um, you going to finish that? <laughs> Can I have uh, some of your fish and chips? <laughs> are you going to finish that whale burger? <laughs> um... Just work in just work in the food court at yeah. SeaWorld. Yeah. They meet, um, they get married in nineteen ninety three because her husband, a man named and I'm not kidding, Dai Zen Hassenkoft. Jesus. Um, he is he tells her that he's a geneticist and a doctor and um uh, that he is helps people who have cancer. He has a he has a very um, advanced, uh, um, like, what do you call it? An advanced, like, serum that can cure cancer oh. and that he can't get it. Like, he had this whole story about it. Uh-huh. And he actually, I don't know if he told her, but later on, he told people that, cause he, of course, he was a con man. He yeah. was not any of the things that I've said. Um, he told people he cured his own cancer mm. and that's how he knew that the serum worked. Nope. And that's how he sold it to people who were dying of cancer, who he built for thousands and hundreds oh, of thousands of dollars. Shit. So he's, uh, an insane person and, but he is like a con man extraordinaire. Yeah. The cops at one point in this special talk about how he actually at one point joined up with a second con man and conned that con man out of thousands Are of you dollars. Fucking kidding me? Yeah. So he's like a diabolical lunatic. And anyone who's seen this, because this is an old and very famous case, he really tries to play, um, the part of the, of the, of the evil when he's finally in court mm-hmm. he's really kind of trying to do a Richard Ramirez Charles Manson like I'm the evil genius behind all this stuff why because he just needs a recognition yeah so he went to college um, and he studied uh, like science in college but he didn't get into med school Mm -hmm. and that's when it turned so he basically it turned into this weird con man fantasy life as if if i had gone to med school this is what i would have done and this is these are the things i'm doing so i'm gonna get some cards printed up and tell everybody that i'm a geneticist right and that i have he not only told people he had the cure for cancer but he also made a lot of money and met a lot of women telling them that he had this basically like a fountain of youth serum oh my god and um in this special one of the best parts one of his ex-girlfriends who he was by the way in he was engaged to one he was engaged to a couple but he was seeing three other women while he was married to girly chew and that's what she found out that he was basically 
all over the map yeah. with these women and she was just like i'm out of here yeah. like go fuck yourself and then he went crazy because he was like oh i thought because you're from malaysia yeah. i thought you were going to be subservient and submissive and like not fight me and just take care of business and she was like go fuck yourself yeah um that's not a quote so the girlfriend uh who Dizen Hasenkoft. Um, oh, by the way, his real name is Armando Chavez. Wow, um, a lot of names happening. He made up the name Dizen Hasenkoft because he believed that Germans and Japanese are the master races, which is a very new approach to su to supremacies. Um, so he made up a name that was an amalgam of both. I bet you he owned like Nazi memorabilia or something like so obnoxious or something like that. Yeah, you know probably. What I mean? Yeah, but he's Armando Chavez. Like, he yeah. has no business being in the world of who's the master race. Uh, right. Like, buddy, this works against you in every yeah. way. Yeah. In in his claim of having this anti-aging treatment that also eventually you come to find out that he was also telling people it would make you immortal. What? <laughs> That's where I'm getting off of this second <laughs> train. Oh, you were you were on until then? Absolutely. You were good with bilking cancer patients? No, I was I thought it worked. Oh, I but see. But now I don't think it works. Yeah. Here's why else you you won't think it works. Okay. And this is according to Julie McGuire, who is in this special, and she is she is has a story to tell. Um but she immediate like on the outset it was like i have this youth serum and if you if you do this mm -hmm. you you know it's gonna make you it's gonna she said it's he said it stopped cell growth like entirely which i don't think would be good for that's you that's like dead then your cells are dead yeah i think that means you die yeah but he eventually let her in on his secret which was that the drug he was giving her was created by aliens mm. to stop cell growth so that they could travel from planet to planet mm. and not have it impact them. Mm. And, um, and can you imagine if you're like her and you were like, here I am, I'm, I'm on board with this fucking, this anti-aging thing. Got it. And then someone, this person's like, well, let me let you in on a secret. And yeah. it's like aliens. And you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's almost like that's when you make that decision. And am I, am I just going to yeah. go all in on this and like push all my chips into the middle right. of the table? Cause at this point I can't be like, I can't, then I look fucking stupid. If I'm like, guess what? I got out of this thing because he ended up being crazy. And all your yeah. friends are like, we knew he was crazy. Yeah. You have to double down on it. But you have to remember this. You never have to double down. No. You can always get out of it because think of any friend you have. They've always had a worse boyfriend than the boyfriend you're talking yeah. about. And also who gives a fuck what anybody yeah. thinks. You got to get out of that shit. You can, when you can. You're allowed fuck ups in your life and it's okay. Even at, at Julie McGuire's age. Where yeah. she was like, and, and she didn't actually, when she's ta like talking about this in this special, she clearly knew he was insane because, yeah. you know, she, I don't think she thought the way she was saying it anyway, maybe she did. But she um, still went along with it. Well, she wanted them beauty treatments, girl. <laughs> but there, there is no magic here except for Botox. I have to keep telling you. <laughs> Why must I keep telling everyone? Why this? must I preach the word? But also they found out that his, his magic treatment was vitamin B12. Ooh. And he was, he was making women pay thousands and thousands of dollars oh, for it. Oh, man. So he also had fathered a son with a, uh, a woman in Canada in 1996. These are all the things Girlie Chu was finding out. And he was, oh yeah, engaged to three different women while he was married to her. Jesus. Including he one. Hot? No, no, no. He's short and uh, he looks like a character actor. Did he pretend to be? It's just that. What were they after? I think he has not that. That was a horrible thing to say. What well, were they well, attracted like, what to? What was the attraction? Yeah. I think he has that 
that sparkly glow yeah. of a psychotic person. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they're fascinating. It. Like, it's, this guy's the kind of guy, he was super smart. Can someone quote that he has that psychotic, he has that <laughs> sparkly, sparkly glow. glow of a psychotic person is my favorite. <laughs> they, when you meet a truly crazy person, it's a breath of fresh yeah. air. When they're like, I'm not, I'm not crazy in the way that I need like to be hospitalized or medical help, but I'm a diabolical. And I believe my own bullshit. Yes. And I believe that I can trick you. Like there's yeah. there's an energy to that, and also when con men are trying to con you, it, you get focused attention, yeah, which lots of people want and don't get. So like suddenly you have like even if it no matter what the the face looks like or the height or the weight or whatever, yeah, you're right. You have a person that's got like kind of like dialed into your shit. Yeah, I you, I think you hung the moon, and suddenly you're like maybe I did. I yeah. don't know. Give me some of that. I was kind of wondered if I hung the moon because I felt special. Yeah. I've always felt special. I've always felt like I had this gift. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to be careful. Okay. If people are like, you're really special. Yeah. That's fucking, that's the biggest <laughs> red flag of all. Because you're fucking not. And neither am I. None okay. of us are. Amen. And AA. That's what you learn in AA. Okay. So that's when Girlie's like, oh, you're, you're engaged to three other women. I've got to go. Peace. Goodbye. Okay. So when the police go to interview Dyson. And, and I might be pronouncing that slightly wrong. His house it's not is not real, so it's okay. It's, thank you. <laughs> it's his idea of what a Japanese right. name is, which is like it sounds like a, a bad VCR that you would have bought in 1987. I was thinking the exact electronic and no, electronic. High five that foot. You high five my foot. <clears throat> um, they go to Daisen's house. His house is empty. Um, they find out he moved out the day before she, uh, Girly Chu went missing. And they, so they put out an APB for his now. Oh, points bulletin. I love that. Right? Mm -hmm. For his car. He's a fake doctor. Fake though. Also a con man. Also a, 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 a polygamist or whatever you call that. A bigamist if you marry tons of people. Mm -hmm. What kind of, what kind of car color and make do you think he drove? Oh God. A fucking red Trans Am. It was a white easy zoo. There was what? no way to, it, it was too obscure, but I just thought it'd be fun to no, play a fun okay, guess okay. the car If we were going game. that way, I would have guessed like Subaru or something. For some reason, when they said in the special, they put out the all points bulletin for his white Isuzu, I laughed out loud in my TV room. <sighs> a TV it. room, it's separate than the dining and living room. I guess room. I don't know what an Isuzu looks like. Well, I was thinking Isuzu Trooper, which looks like a, oh. like a, the poor man's Jeep. It's just a family car. It's no, it's kind of like a well, the one I'm thinking of is almost like I'm going to college and my dad wanted to give me this. Okay. Okay. We we don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have us. Okay, so here's when they're searching his place, they find out that he belonged to a UFO believers club. Okay. And so they have to go down to the UFO Believers Club and start interviewing some people. That's that got to be a fun day. This is this is the thing where I want the special. Like if we start really making the kind of true crime specials that everybody wants. Yeah. It's you get all those cops together and you're like, so tell us about the UFO tell Believers us about Club. Each and every in detail. Yes. About them. Because you know there are some people who were who were wonderful and yeah. hilarious and yeah. brilliant, and then you know there's some people who are like the people who Nosy are about to meet and who want to keep. Like I know more I can give you information Those yes. fucking nosy Nellies And then there were some people Who were like Psycho. Join me on Saturn Okay <laughs> um, So they go talk to the people And one of the first people They meet is a woman Named Linda Henning 
who they later find out he was engaged to. Of course he was. So Linda Hang, they don't think much of her at first. Linda Henning, and we all probably know this, but if you haven't seen any I, of these I specials, don't know this one. Oh, you don't? I don't know this. Oh, yay. Tell me everything. Because you will love Linda Henning. I highly recommend that you go back. There is video of her talking. She is one of those people. I can't she, go back. That's there's You can't find it. Uh, there's individual videos oh. of her being interviewed by the news because okay. she got arrested. Okay. And she is, um, I don't, I won't diagnose her. Do it. Uh, if it was my mom, my mom would be like, oh, she's, she's gone organic. I think she might be, she might be, um, schizophrenic. <laughs> but she has a lot of those things where she looks like the woman who's the star, the stewardess or the air hostess in an airplane. Mm-hmm. Her name's Julie something mm. with the long hair. She's like a 70s, 80s actress. Uh-huh. She looks almost exactly like that woman. She's like actress beautiful, uh-huh. um, big hair, you know, like, and she had, she's of course from Hollywood. She had been a model mm. and then she was a fashion designer. Mm. Now she's in New Mexico with her fucking government UFO conspiracies <laughs> and she is a serious believer. So they keep on pulling up these clips of her holding up a drawing that oh. she drew herself going, um, these are the lizard people that run our government. And she's, completely serious and seems almost like a newscaster like convincing what if she's right she could be right there's other people that think this it's not just her All right um but she has an intensity and she's also twitchy oh no yeah so she's got a little bit of that like you can see her resetting herself oh, God. to normalcy that i was enjoying watching <laughs> you um, can't take someone seriously as yeah. Who's spouting about aliens and twitching at the same time? Yeah, those two two things don't go hand in hand. The twi- I have to say this: the twitching was subtle, but that was my you know when yeah. I I'm collecting all the information so yeah. I can do the one woman show about her. <laughs> uh, there will be subtle twitching in it. Um, also, she so she, it was her theory is like lizard people run the government, and also uh, masons are all lizard people. Okay. Which I'm interested in. Like, tell me what you got. I see it. But all she did was in this thing, she had a tri- she had drawn, drawn a triangle on a piece of paper, and she had put a circle inside, and she went, "This is the Mason symbol." Oh my god! And I was just like, "No, it's not. Actually, it's a pyramid with an eye." Is on she top the of one it. who like will describe on the dollar bill like what's inside of all the thi- what yes, every little exactly. thing means, and then when you fold it this way, and you see the little picture yes. that comes out. Yes, I'm fucking is- down. I am down and ready for that. Get me a beer. Like, let's. This fucking- is how the lizard people are communicating yeah. through our money right where it's like well talk to me about it folded up symbols on money what and then what yeah (laughs) and then what are you gonna do then fold it and show it to me okay why don't we just talk all right so ufo believers club i'm calling it that i I don't know what the actual name is okay but i mean it was people who got together because they were like this is real no i dig it she had a when she joined the ufo believers club and then dyson joined it as well she was engaged to be married to a different person she immediately broke up with him and they started this lover love affair with dyson they bonded over their passionate belief in the impending alien takeover of our planet and chicken wings and, <laughs> and their love of chicken wings. I want to. I want to put that into the script. <laughs> and chicken wings. Wait, you like chicken wings? I love chicken God, wings. I've never met anyone that likes chicken wings. Wait, ranch or blue cheese? Oh my God, it has to be blue cheese. Yeah, oh, marry me. <laughs> okay. Um. So they go to interview Linda Henning. Okay. 
And because they're everyone in the UFO believers group is like, oh, Diazem's really good friends with Linda Henning and this other guy, Bill. Uh-huh. They'll know. Uh-huh. Go talk to them. Well, Linda Henning at her house, it seems totally normal, calm, kind of low key. But very quickly and to- start beginning to talk to these investigators, she gives Dizen uh, an alibi for the night that girly she went missing and basically tried to tell them she was with him all night except for one hour. And they're like, okay, well, that's it's mm-hmm. a bit advanced for this conversation. So later on, they go to bring her in for questioning. And she gives when she goes in for questioning, she gives them a hair sample, a DNA sample. Um, but then when they ask about Dizen, she kind of acts like she doesn't know him that well. She can't, she's mispronouncing his name, um, calling him D or Doc instead of his name because she says she doesn't know how to pronounce it, which uh. I, I relate to. Um, but uh, she claims she has no idea where he is and that she's never met Girly Chu, doesn't know where she is, doesn't know anything about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they talk to Linda's coworkers, they find out that she's told them her and Dizen are about to get married. So, uh, when the police go back around to talk to Linda and ask her some follow-up questions at her home, she's not there, and she they're calling her, saying, go ahead and give us a call. She's avoiding them. So, then they start surveilling her, because they're like, what's going on? She's checked into a hotel, and then she moves hotels and then checks into another hotel, uh-uh. and she's basically, like, trying not to be found or seen. Uh-huh. But which, what I love about that is that, like, it makes it sound like, and the cops were following her as she did it. I'm just like, <laughs> we see you. Yes. You just went from a daze into a Motel 6. This is not <laughs> good criminal behavior. Mm. Um, okay. So they search her car. Um, oh, sorry. When they go into her, they get a search warrant. They go into her house. Her house is filled with UFO conspiracy art that she has made herself. Oh, I bet it's gorgeous. You know what? It, it reminds me of, you know, when you're in like high school chemistry class and you start doodling and you're like, wait, I'm good at yeah. drawing. Yes. It's that's what it all looks yeah. like. It's like kind of like um, it looks like women in, in cat suits, lizards with half human faces, but mm. it's all like in a blue ballpoint pen. And she thinks it's important too. Like it's someone's communicating with her through she, it. She very much believes that this is real. And it is, it's, you can tell that it is a big problem for her. Like it's a concern and it's not, it's, she's not fucking around. It's overwhelming. And it's not, yeah, she's like, she believes that our planet's being taken over by aliens. She's one of the only people that knows. Mm. It's classic schizophrenia, like yeah. paranoid schizophrenia, but I won't, but I won't label it. <laughs> but I like to theorize about people's mental status. It's fun. I just said status like I was British. I don't know why. <laughs> What's happening? But, um, yeah, she's, her house is filled with this art. And also she's got a lot of colored art sand in her garage, oh. which is really odd. They showed a picture of her garage and it's like, you know, that thing where you're like, you know what I'm going to get into? Yeah. I'm going to get into art sand. <laughs> I'm going to fill bottles with different colored mm-hmm. sand. I'm going to sell it at the flea market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's like a bunch of crates full of it. Oh, so she no. didn't just get one kit. No. She was like into it. If you're really going to get into it, you have to spend $500 on yeah. it. <laughs> that you have to go to Joanne Fabrics all day. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make a problem. <laughs> so I did that once with cross with Needlepoint. Did you really? I mean, I didn't spend that much money on it, but I was like, I'm going to get into this. I have to. No, I don't. Do I it. want I same with me and paint by numbers. Ooh, that's fun. I'm going back. Do it. 
I think paper. I here, here's my only problem. If I'm going to sit at home and do nothing, I'm going to do that A, watching TV and B, laying down. Oh. I'm not going to do a project. Why? Because I love to lay down. That's my project. What's a project you could do while you lay down? Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> catch Dream. Up, catch up on sleep. Have some dreams. Okay. So they go to her house. They find all this crazy fucking shit that makes them go. She's not your average member of the UFA, UFO Believers Club. Mm-hmm. She's taken the UFO Believers Club and and she's in like a Harrison Ford movie level crisis with the UFO Believers <laughs> where it's like impending doom. Yeah. Very, very sad and awful. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry, I laughed. No, that's right. It's also, also the art is terrible. Yeah. So it's just. I'm sorry, I laughed. There's a lot of elements. Well, wishing her well. Okay, go on. <laughs> no, you don't have to. She did bad things. Oh, good, good, good. Um, then they search her car. They find out it's just been washed and that there's a receipt for having her tires balanced. And the cops immediately think the the area on that highway um, outside of Albuquerque where they found mm-hmm. Girly Chew's bloody clothes was all <gasps> crazy bumpy roads Why road workers were out there. And if she drove out there, she would have to get her tires oh, rebalanced shit. when she came back. So they basically uh they, the 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 more they look into stuff they find out that when they look at um Linda Henning's bank records Linda Henning who had claimed uh to have not know Girlie Chu and never met her and know nothing about her had actually switched banks and had started going to uh-uh. Girlie Chu's branch of her bank uh-uh. and Girlie had been her tell her at that bank several times so she was like spying on her she was up in her business big time and absolutely knew who she was Uh-oh. so don't lie to the cops ding <laughs> ding dongs <laughs> you fucking lizard you're the lizard person yeah. i mean just in general like especially when you're gonna be that obvious about it she if she was your bank teller don't fucking lie to the cops about it well also i guess it's different now because there are cameras everywhere now and stuff but it's just that st- those when you see those people who the people who um, make up crimes to do and thinking they're going to get away with mm-hmm. it because they think they're smarter than cops where it's like, you're so not. Though. You're like one of the most stupid people we know, but you think you're smarter than all. Like the people who think they're smarter than the cops and can get away with shit are the most idiotic people. Yes. Also, that makes sorry, sorry, quick sidebar. My friend Bridger Winnegar and I went and saw a movie called American Animals. Mm-hmm. Did you see The Imposter, that documentary? Mm hmm. It's the same director. Mm. It's really fucking good. And it's a true story. About which one? Uh, of these guys that tried to steal these really rare, valuable Audubon books from a college. And they were like college age themselves. Nerds. It's a really good movie. You have to go see it. Okay. Everyone has to go see it. Okay, anyway. Okay, okay. Back to this piece of paper. Um, <laughs> so then... And I'm not sure exactly where this happened in the timeline, but I'm throwing it in here. Our friend Julie McGuire, who was getting the beauty treatments and was told <laughs> that she was going to live forever, uh-huh. one of his girlfriends, mm-hmm. called the police because she, and told them that when she, uh, when Girly Chu was missing, um, Dai Zen told her he was livid about that he was going to have to pay Gurley $60,000 in their divorce settlement. And he was like out of his mind, livid about it. And he said... That motive. Gur- what? Sorry. Motive. Yes. <laughs> I thought you said noted. Oh. <laughs> I was like, all right. You're listening? Good. Um, he actually said to Julie 
that that girlie would never see a dime of that mm. money that she was supposed to be getting because she was going to disappear. And don't, don't do right? that. Right. And then Julie said to him, what are you talking about? People like you can't make people disappear. The cops find them like that. Yeah, yeah. And he said to her, not if they're dissected. Shut up, dude. Which is also but also that's such a weird anyway. And it's also not. Then she's like, no, yeah, also if they're dissected. Right. And just in general, it's, yeah. you're not going to get away with it. But anyway, she, what we love Julie McGuire because yeah. she's like, guess what? That guy was my boyfriend, but this is bad, bad, bad. Totally good for her. So then the lab comes back with some results on that full apartment car- carpet uh, that they pulled out of Girlie's apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, they had small amounts of blood evidence um, that they had found and this was the reason they were like the they would have just cut out this strip that was just those three blood stains because mm-hmm. that blood was girly chews mm. but when they pull the whole carpet they find blood stains and the blood belongs to linda henning what yes they and they weren't expecting it either so they're just like holy shit so uh they now she's indicted for murder oh my god um dizan hasenkoft is nowhere to be found can't, then no one knows where he is. Um, then the police get a tip from one of his neighbors saying she had just gotten a call where he threatened her and then hung up. And so the cops are like, dial star 69. And so <laughs> no. she does. No. And yes. And it turns out he's in South Carolina. What? They, so the cops go arrest him. Yes. So the, in, when I was in high school, when, Whatever it was, ATT or whoever did yeah. it came out with that package where you could get call waiting, call forwarding, and star, star 69. Uh-huh. It changed lives. Yeah, it, cha- it changed everything. It was a really big you, deal. You couldn't print call anymore. Yes. Do you want to hear a yes. celebrity secret? Yes. When I very first moved to town in 1994 mm-hmm. or five, four, um, I had a big crush on Jack Black who was in our social circle. Yeah. And one time I called, somebody gave me his phone number, I don't know why, and I called it, and then when he answered, I hung up. You did not. And he fucking started. No, he did it. And I said. Did you know that he was doing that, or did you just answer the phone like it was normal? I answered the phone, because I think I was expecting a call from somewhere else. Okay. And he didn't think that he had star 69, so you just picked it up. I picked it up. (gasps) And then he goes, did you just call me? And I went, it was a mistake. And then I I acted mad and was like, I, yeah, it, it was a mistake. And then I just, <laughs> just hung up. That's the perfect. When you act mad, like you're annoyed with someone else. Yeah. And what did he do? He, I don't think know he knew it was, it was me. Oh. I waited. We weren't that. We didn't. Yeah. I didn't know him that well at yeah. the time. So I just like held my breath and waited it out oh and then God. never, never heard. Back. And then the next time, ever since then, you've been weird. He's like, she's always <laughs> weird around me. I don't know what I did to piss her off. No, no, no. I think then uh, we got to know each other after that. And, and he was around and I j- it was that kind of thing where I was like, maybe I did call your house and hang up. <laughs> maybe I did. Maybe that's how I express my intense love jack black <laughs> who talk about i don't think he's psychotic but the first time i met him it was like the whole rest of the room went away wow he's so dynamic well he's also so talented yeah. it was like they had just done tenacious d yeah you know three songs everyone's like what who are these yeah. people and then just to talk to him in person he's just got charisma coming out of All where right. of his telephone <laughs> private <laughs> This has been Jack Black Corner. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I'm trying to tell a story. Okay, so 
they go to they go bring him out of South Carolina, his perfect <laughs> hiding place. Star sixty nine him out. Jack Clark plays one of the cops that pulls him out of Star- South Carolina. Um, he had only been on the lam for three weeks, uh-huh. already living with a woman in while well, he was in South what Carolina. What the fuck? That's what I'm talking about. You got it. It's like everyone. We all need group therapy to like get ourselves up. That we don't need guys like this. Yeah, and I'll, or just be a guy like that. Like, what do you do to get to be the person that can be on the lamp? First of all, you have all this stuff to do of like avoiding the police. Yeah, and then you kick up a relationship with some stranger. Yeah, but there's time for a little. You're, uh, you make time. I think that's what. Mm. That's. The <laughs> just George just went mm, and then brought that can of wine right up to her lips. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it, girl. Tell me about being on the lamb <laughs> and in relationships. All right. Sorry. So they find when when he's arrested, he has Girlie Chu's address book mm. and a piece of her jewelry. Two things that she had not left at her house when she left him. Two things that she had on her person. Mm-mm. So they were like, this is Yoink. evidence. Yeah. Um, they also, in the place where he was staying in South Carolina, they found guns and they found a steam cleaner with human blood in it. Ew. Trace evidence of human blood. You stupid idiot. So they they bring him back to New Mexico. He's charged with making interstate threats because that's the only concrete <gasps> evidence that they have. They don't, nothing, nothing ties him okay. to the murder. To hold him. But they have him, yeah, they can hold him for, for, <laughs> <laughs> for getting star 69 <laughs> for calling his neighbor and being like uh, uh, hey don't tell anyone <laughs> hang up um all right so they start looking around the area going back to search because they're the basically now they need the body girly choose body they have to find what has happened to her so that they can tie him in because okay. they're like this guy's they like him for it as cops like to say, mm-hmm. he's good for it, mm-hmm. but they have no evidence. So when they go out to that desolate highway outside of fucking Albuquerque, the, the area on the sides of the highway is are is dotted with mines, abandoned mine shafts. Uh-uh. And they said there's so many mm-hmm. out there and some of them are so deep that you throw a rock down and you never hear anything. What? So like, oh, what are at the bottom of those? Right. So, so the police tried to search some of them yeah. near where the clothes were found, but after a while, they're just like, well, we didn't find anything, and you can't. They're not even mapped. There are so yeah. many mines out there. Yeah. Which I just that that idea of that type of police where it was like that's nauseatingly yeah just endless searching. God. Anyway. Um, just the thought that you could throw something down one of those and it'll never be seen again is like, ugh, it yeah, makes me feel empty. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's very bad. Although, if you had say, say you wrote out a story about an embarrassing thing you did to Jack Black, uh-huh. you could ball that up and throw it down at a mine <laughs> and not say it on a podcast. <laughs> but what's the fun in that? I once slept. Can I? I'll, I'll want me to. Yes. Okay, your eyes just lit up. <laughs> Meet me here in my shame spiral. I'll give you one. I'll give you a good one. My friend and I called each other. We were on the phone with each other. I just dumped a dude. I was like 19. I just like broken up with a guy. And we were on the phone. And I was like, let's listen to his his voicemail. Like his outgoing voicemail like was our song. And I was like, look, he changed his song. Let's call him and you can listen. So 
we called and we listened to the voicemail and then we like we're like oh my god i can't believe it like blah blah blah. (laughs) i just feel bad and like i just don't like i wasn't attracted to him like just like talking talking shit and then it was like your message has been sent no i forgot to hang up after we listened to his fucking outgoing (laughs) voicemail how awful is that wait can i just ask and you don't have to answer honestly but were you on drugs no i was not on drugs (sighs) just stupid just 19 (laughs) people don't appreciate how these days no one uses the phone ever well it's the thing of texting the wrong person yes it's texting the person you're something on social media saving their thing from three months ago yeah embarrassing thing but god there was uh, so much bad behavior uh-huh. around answering machines in my past. <laughs> also, one time I was uh, super stoned in my apartment and I was listening to my messages and my sister left me such a long message that halfway through I forgot it was a message and I started fighting with her and I got really <laughs> mad. I was like, stop talking over me. What are you doing? And I was like, there's this whole thing. And then it was like, all right, talk to you later. Beep. Oh, and then I was like, my, oh my God. God. Um, send us your... <laughs> embarrassing stories to my favorite murder at gmail oh, what Please. horrible thing have you done on an answering machine yeah or machine around or phones around yeah. texting around all and of you that. can make them modern but the uh, i guess texting ones are good yeah modern is fine and, and yeah go ahead okay my favorite murder at gmail dot com dot com okay go ahead so and then guess what happened tell me I'm the suspense. I'm just trying to re. Okay. 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 So they get more evidence back. So it's this trace evidence that they're getting off of this humongous piece of carpet. And what they, uh, they find a single hair from Dyson on that carpet. That's it? A single hair. But they're like, okay, this is enough. So we know know he was there. It's not going to hold up in court. Yeah. But now we know we've got to tie him to it. Okay. But they also find colored sand. Glitter. Oh my God. And a dyed animal, <laughs> dyed animal hair and uh, gray human hair. So they're like other people were in that apartment. What? Yeah. So it wasn't just Girly Chew, wasn't just Dyson, <gasps> wasn't even just Linda. It was a, and then they find lizard skin. <laughs> <laughs> and then they find the entire Bush family photo album. That's a big theory that the Bush family are lizard people. Oh. Mm-hmm. Pass it on, please. They, uh, okay, so then they find a picture that Linda has drawn in Linda's, uh, house. Uh-huh. Um, they find a bunch of love letters between Linda and Dyson. Uh-huh. But then they also find a drawing of a warrior queen dressed for battle uh-huh. against aliens. Let me guess, that's her. Yeah. In a letter to Dyson. And in the picture, she's wearing like, it's the, it's one of the cat, she looks like Catwoman, essentially, uh-huh. but with, like, slightly different decorations. Okay. And um, she's holding a sword. In the ceiling of Linda Henning's garage at her house, they find a ninja sword <gasps> with blood on it. Um, and they it's not enough blood. They couldn't pull DNA, but they could tell it had been cleaned and that there was trace amounts of blood. Um, also, the in- investigators were like, a samurai sword is a warrior sword for like war battle. Uh-huh. A ninja sword is for assassins. Uh-huh. So it's smaller, thinner uh-huh. blade. It's, I don't know much about it, so I'm not going to say that anything. Sounds right. Get the sword people mad at me, but 
Uh, but then they go, okay, so this is here. Let's relook at the shirt that we found that belonged to Girly Chew that had blood on it right. and start comparing, 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 no, comparisizing, comparisize it. <laughs> Did she wipe the blade off with the shirt? With that, the stab wounds <gasps> were from that sword. Oh. That, that is what they were trying, testing gotta, to gotta, try gotta, to gotta, see. Gotta. And as they do that and they're re examining Girly Chew's shirt that they had found, um, the lab finds Dizan Hazenkov's blood and saliva <gasps> on one shoulder of the shirt. <gasps> so now they have evidence that he was there when Girly Chu was murdered. Oh my God, poor Girly. And the, the other person that is there, because they go back to the UFO group and Gray they interview them. <laughs> yep. And they find out from them that there was a third person in Dizen and Linda's little group. Oh, and God. it's a guy named Bill Miller. He was a member of the UFO group. Um, he was an older man. He was a survivalist and an outdoorsman. Oy and the three of them, Linda, Bill, and Dizen, used to drive to the UFO believers oh. meetings together. And they also did stuff on the weekends. And they show this I bet picture. they were the most boring people to hang out with. Well, I bet the conversation was hard to follow. <laughs> they seem like the kind of people where you're just like, guys, we were just talking about movies. And now now we're back into this alien takeover shit. Or even like, shit. I was following your alien takeover shit. But this is like, <laughs> what? are you, Warrior princesses? <laughs> This is crazy. How about we do one weird topic yeah. per car ride? You can't just pick a bunch of them. Yeah, don't just list off. Linda, Linda, hold on. Linda, you already it's got usually to pick a topic. you. Linda, you keep switching topics. Um, there's a picture of the three of them at like it looks like they're at the river together. Oh my god! And they look so fucking normal. And mm. is that is another wave that I got of like I think this is personally for me the appeal of true crime. These are the people that live next door to you. Oh my God. These are the people that are standing at the river taking a fucking picture. And meanwhile, they have kidnapped, murdered, and hid in the body of a, of a woman. Oh my God. I, it's just so goddamn sinister. The banality of evil. Look it up. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So it turns out that Dyson had told Linda that he was a 7,000-year-old space alien that had been on the planet um, since before these newer aliens showed up. Okay. And the newer aliens were the ones that are trying to take over. Okay. And he was actually here, put on the but planet. But he's the good guy. He's the good alien that was here to keep it from happening. Okay. And he said the only way to keep these new aliens from taking over is to kill their queen. And do you know who the queen no. is? No. The queen is his <gasps> wife, Girly Chew. He took advantage of her cr kind of crazy brain. A hundred percent. Oh, my Which is God. the classic con man thing. It's classic con man of what's your weakness? What's the, th what's the thing that, that's got you all turned around? Oh, me too. I can't believe. I'm just like you. Me too. We're a team. Oh, that's so awful. It's, it's very sad and very crazy. So he's like, he's high level con man a psychopath so she wouldn't doesn't have give killed girly if she didn't think that she was uh like she needed to do it yeah to rid this planet of the alien takeover oh my god yes and she also well so, but there's more to it okay so the trial starts okay. so they, they have enough to bring him to trial okay and when they, when he goes to make his plea he surprises everybody and pleads guilty good and they in this special they talk about how um new mexico had just put someone to death oh. and they think that that yeah. while he was being held he was like oh shit that could happen to me yeah, yeah, yeah. so he was just like fine you got me um but he would not tell them where girly chew's body Aww. was um uh 
he says that he and a man named Bill Miller, who's the third uh-huh. guy from the UFO Believers Club, um, they did it and that Linda Henning had nothing to do with uh-huh. it. Um, he said that he didn't even, that Bill Miller wanted to kill a person, Ooh. that he was excited to do it. He'd always wanted to hunt a human being and that he didn't even have to pay him to help kill f- his wife. Fuck. Yes. Um, then Linda Henning's cellmate comes forward. Oh. And she t- says that Linda, when she just went up to Linda and was like, what did you do with that woman's body? Mm-hmm. And without words, Linda made a gesture indicating that they, they had eaten her. <gasps> this is the craziest story I've ever heard. It's beyond. How have I never watched this one? It's also you have to watch it because uh, you have to see this guy kind of in action. He's that, like when he's doing the perp walk, he's laughing really loud. Like he's doing those things where he knows everything is a decision being made about what like the impact is going to be. sounds like he's been a good cult leader. Yes. I think 100%. Okay. I mean, he's thousands of dollars. If you have leukemia, you have to be pretty good. The, the con man has to be pretty good to convince you to spend like all the rest of your money. Totally. On a on a cancer curing totally. like that's crazy. So she mimes eating them, but she. I mean, that's just what that woman yeah, said. Okay, and it could have been who knows what it meant. Uh, Dizan Hasenkov gets sentenced to life in prison. Thank God. Um, but but they in getting him to agree to plead guilty, the death sentence got taken off the table. Okay. Linda goes to trial. Linda Henning denies all involvement in Gurley's murder. She says, quote, and this is one of the videos that you can watch. And this is one of those ones where she keeps Twitch resetting every third sentence. I'm innocent. I've never done anything to cause the death of a two-legged or four-legged creature. (sighs) It's always been my belief from day one that the blood was planted. I wasn't there. Nope. And then she also says... In every past life, I've been murdered. So what am I up for now? The death penalty. <gasps> like, isn't that ironic? Alanis Morissette. Oh, honey, you're <laughs> fucking batshit. She's cray. When she went to trial, they they had the death penalty on the table for no her. No way. Yeah. Um, and then her friend testifies. And this woman's testimony is in this special. So I'm sure you can see it somewhere. She says that Linda told her. That she, that Linda had been appointed the queen of the world and that it was her responsibility to defend the world from other queens who were trying to take over from, they're coming from other planets to take over. What if your friend said that to you over like mimosas? <laughs> I'd just be like, you fucking nut. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going out of town for a while. Do you want to stay at my house <laughs> with my four, my four legged animals or two legged animals? Whatever. I, I'm almost positive that when I wouldn't do stuff like say chores around the house, my mom would call me the queen of the world. But that I might be rewriting that just because it's so funny. But the idea that you would turn you'd turn to your friend and be like, look, I got to tell you something. I know. I know things have been weird lately, but I'm the queen of the world. Not America. The whole fucking planet. Oh, that icy chill you'd get. And you're like, I need to turn my friend over to the hospital. Yes. How are we going to do this? Yes. I'm going to back away. Hey, you know where they have a great froyo place? At In the hospital. psych ward. <laughs> the hospital. Follow me. You, they have the best frozen yogurt, but you have to commit yourself to a 48 or eight hour hold. Exactly. But it'll be worth it. Yeah. I'll just, um, and then I crush up some fucking... Antipsychotics into her froyo. Here's the other thing too. 
if you think you're the queen of the world, and I mean in this way where you feel like you have to kill other people yeah. because you have to defend the world, yeah. don't take that all on by yourself. Commit yourself to a 48-hour cycle and figure out what's actually going on. Get some other voices in there. Get some, yeah. get some, uh, do you think I'm the queen of the world? No. No. Oh, you're... sorry. You weren't asking me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we well, fighting? No, we were doing, no, we were Are we fighting now? <laughs> I knew you didn't I, think I was the queen I of the world. I do think Elvis is an alien, but that's a, com I'm not going to kill anyone over it. Do you think he's the king of the world? Elvis is the king. All right. Okay, let's focus, please. <laughs> we got to get through this. I'm the one that put my paper all the way down, but we need to focus. Um, okay. This is a four-hour episode. It really is. So so then Dyson Hassenkoft comes to testify at Linda Henning's trial. Oh, dear. And it's the full show. He's grown out his nails, oh. which he knows is the grossest thing a man can do. <laughs> He's smiling like a lunatic. Oh. He's just got that thing where it's like, it's very Charles. It's it's like poor man's Charles Manson. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, and he's talking... He does a little speech about how he hopes that Gurley suffered more than anyone on the planet. Like, he does this whole speech about her murder that's so horrible, but you, he's doing it with this weird smile, and you're just like, this is all dumb. It's yeah, corny. It's, like, yeah. over the top. Um, but he still maintains that Linda Henning had nothing to do with the murder, and he said that... Um, he he says that he planted Linda's blood in Gurley's apartment to throw off investigators. Well, investigators are like, yeah, that doesn't throw anybody off. It's evidence. <laughs> it leads you us directly to you. And also, what we what they honestly think it was is they think he was setting Linda Henning up for this murder. Oh. They think he was trying to lay that out, and then it was like he got caught, and it was yeah. like it was out of his hands. Um, which is even sadder because when Linda Henning talks about Dizan. Even after her arrest, she's clearly still in love with him. Oh, no. Yeah, she thinks he's amazing. She thinks he's the greatest. Oh, yeah. It's so nuts. Um, she's convicted of first-degree murder and kidnapping, but she doesn't get the death penalty. She gets life in prison. And uh, at the time, it was the most extensive forensic investigation in New Mexico history. For fuck's sake, how have we never heard of this? It's so crazy. Um, Bill Miller, the third yeah, party... Yeah. He was no charges were ever brought no. against him. A grand jury found that there was not enough evidence to charge him. Well, which I don't like him. I don't either. And he doesn't seem like a nice person. No. I don't like his profile no. in the special. Oh. I saw it a couple times. Oh. He looks like somebody that would yell at you at like outside of Best Buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that is the That's horrible a, oh murder of Girly Chew. Fuck, dude. Thank yeah. you for thank you for that. I mean, thank you and really thank crime stories for really letting me uh, retell their story because that's what happened. And thank you, Zoe Clark, for reminding me of this. I I feel like I've seen at least three episodes on this. That's on this. crazy. Yeah. Because it's like fodder. It's like perfect. Yeah. You know, crime show fodder. It's got everything. And it makes me want to join a UFO Believers Club. It's like, what's going on? Let's do it. Okay. Just to open up our social circle what if we accidentally join a cult <laughs> it'd be good for the podcast it would be people are like get out and they rescue us oh that'd be so fun that's so nice of them all right fucking hooray what's the thing that's been making you happy lately well uh nico case's new album is called hell on 
It just came out. Cool. It's so fucking good. Great. It's, but she's always perfect. I think she's one of those people that suffers from the fact that she, from when she first started going, when she was doing like Nico Case and her boyfriends and uh-huh. her first couple projects, she, she's always been so like, 10 out of 10 stars perfect that like it's almost like she doesn't get appreciated enough anymore oh. that's how I feel about there's it there's never like this transcendent one because they're all like that it's every song she writes you're like how did you think of that lyric this mm. is the best tune I've ever heard your voice makes me want to cry mm. it's just my favorite that's amazing also uh, Courtney Barnett has a new <gasps> album out I love her uh, uh, called Tell Me How You Really Feel and it is amazing and one of, it's such a good album as well one of her songs the chorus of it is um, men are afraid that women will laugh at them women are afraid that men will kill them that's the oh dear it's such I, I'm not sure what the I can't remember what the song is called but it's such a good album yeah it's really good okay uh, yeah okay um, mine is, uh, so I'm trying to get my fucking brain wrapped around de- like money matters and like dealing with money and like what to do with money and like, where do you put it if it's not under your mattress? Like, you know, so there's a podcast about it, turns out. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And there's one that I found called Her Money Matters by Jen Hemphill that she just interviews money experts, but in a way, but it's for women. Um, and it's, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And every episode is a different topic. So you can find the topics that speak to you. And, yeah. and so far it's what you're curious about. Yeah. So it's really good. And um, that sounds great. Yeah. It's it's simple. It makes it really simple. You know, that's really smart, too, because it's like Oprah did that with Susie Orman, where it's like, no, women, you have to you have to keep your eye on it and you have to be business people. Yeah, it's important. And And so the topics are like stuff about debt and being scared of money and how to have emotional not have an emotional it's it's everything so if you're like but i don't want to think about money there's like an episode about that so that's you great have, you have to do it i see you're looking at me i see you looking at me george i see you look i think you're the queen of the world and i think you're great with money and i think I you know i was no the queen of the world problems I, I mean because here's the thing about money i think women there's storylines of like would the women be shopping storylines of like yeah. whatever i'm upset so i have to go shopping or all these things that like you get told that almost like it's like you're playing a part yeah instead of like no go be a fucking business person well there's also jen Cesaro who wrote um you are a badass it's you are a badass she also now is one about you are a badass at making money oh good it's you know it's it's directed to women but it's for everyone but it also is around those things of like it she she talks about like what does money mean to you like write the first five things down and it's like based on when you were a kid all that shit so like when I was a kid we used to go going grocery shopping was called let's go bounce a check because we had no fucking money (laughs) (laughs) and I thought we were gonna get chased down in the street and like arrested so like your 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 emotional attachment to money is so deep and it affects everything in your life so just you can get a hold of it as an adult woman and and make it about make it work for you yes and you should and, and you, you should. deserve to and you'll feel that's so smart you'll feel really good about yourself so that's awesome check those out oh you know what i want can i just say one more thing yes. this is not uh it's not a fucking array but it's it's just almost just more of a uh something just something to put out there because there was a couple things on twitter uh last week and it was a couple things that were related to people talking to people who didn't like our podcast what 
And one of them was a really well-written kind of analytical thread about what she thinks about what the podcast means. Why are you reading this shit? No, it's just, it came up. Okay. And the other one was somebody who was upset because they heard somebody on another podcast, not liking our podcast and actually adding the person and adding us Mm. and then being like, this broke my heart. And I think this, and I just want to say this, first of all, I know that both of those things came from love and they were trying to like communicate like we care about you and whatever, but we don't, that's fine if people, we know that this podcast is not for everybody and we're not interested in converting people who don't like us. We don't need to do that and we, and we're fine with it. So we certainly don't want to hear about it when it's happening. Yeah. But on, on top of that, you don't need to feel uh, like you have to change that situation or convince anybody of anything. Like we have our little community and we we're doing great and well, we're I having a great, so great time. About our little community is that it's filled with people who like like we're each other's um, allies in in a thing that not everyone is into and it. We and don't they need to convince be. people. Yeah, and they're they, not. And they don't need to be. That's and why we like each other so much. Exactly. That we're the ones who are into it. And it's it's like from the beginning when people would be like, oh, you have vocal fry or whatever. It's like, uh-huh. then don't fucking listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. We don't give a shit. Like, if you don't like it, if somebody doesn't like it, you don't have to convince them of anything. You can be like, okay, cool. The end. And also, I think the the person who was adding the person who was on a podcast, I would like to say this. I don't know who the person was. That I don't know the podcast. Yeah. But especially if it was a woman, pause on your need to correct or tell someone they can't say something. Because for me, all I've, when I started stand up, all I did was criticize people and say what I hated and say yeah. I didn't like something. That's your, that's that person's right to do. Yeah. They get to have a critical thought. This is a very popular thing right now yeah. that like criticizing popular culture is what most po- podcasts are all about. If people want to do that and say, Hey, I don't like this, they can. And I stand by that. And especially if it's a woman going, Hey, I don't like this thing. Do not correct them. Do not tell them they don't get to say that. It's, yeah. it's just like, think of it in that way of like, all of these things can exist simultaneously. People don't have to get along. This is not a theme wedding. It all doesn't have to go together. <laughs> you can have all these different likes and things and the end. The like, only, the person, the only person that we need to convince to like us is Paul Holes. Is Chrissy Teigen. <laughs> And Paul Holes and everyone else. <laughs> Those <laughs> are our top two. But, but don't it. say that because people have already harassed Chrissy Teigen because she was like, I like true crime podcasts. What should I listen she to? She asked for it. <laughs> okay. But I mean, we're not know, relaunching that fucking because no. I watched that wave go where I was like, anytime that happens, I'm like, <gasps> please end it as soon as possible. Yeah. What yeah, we want to say is we fucking love you guys. We and love you, support you guys. Us. You guys fight our fights for us and we appreciate that so much. I love when someone's mean on Instagram and I don't need to say anything because fucking 10 rad murderinos are like, fuck you. And here's why. Yeah. Well, I never worry about that shit because there's always somebody that comes in and it's just oh, usually in a really funny way. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, whatever, dude. Yeah. Um, so don't what we're worry. saying is we're so fucking lucky that we have this community and we don't need the fucking haters and the alien and the alien lizard robot people <laughs> like we've got each other and that's a lot we're great <laughs> what's that from we got each other and that's a, oh, what is that from gotta hold on to what we wait no yeah is it well, we bon got Jovi? each other and that's a, a lot, lot to to don't 
sue us, Bon Jovi. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys. You're the best. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis. Elvis, you want a cookie? Yeah. Yeah.